Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> It sounded like for just a second it was going to be Dexter Jetster laughing, but then it turned distinctly evil, and it was clearly the laughter of the sun, right? Very evil, yes. I cannot capture Whitworth's voice, but it's uh, pretty darn good evil. 
No, you're just you're you're just uh, so uh, good at the the uh, grumpy but lovable laugh of Dexter Jetster. That just that first little bit sounded like Dexter, and then it was clearly evil. I felt the evil, a chill in my bones, Ken. Yes, grumpy uh, but lovable is definitely a theme for me. <laughs> and that is the risk for all of us uh, that you, we start out grumpy and lovable and turn to full evil. Uh, we're going to get to talk about evil a lot, and even grumpy uh because we are going to be discussing the mortis arc let's all go to mortis we're thrilled to go there i'm joseph scrimshaw uh, the person doing the great evil laugh is ken nabsock uh, i'm very excited to get here to mortis are you excited to be here ken man let's all go to mortis let's all <laughs> i am excited i am excited i'm very excited I, I, I'm nervous I, I, we're gonna talk about it i i'm very nervous and intimidated to talk about these episodes because when you and I were to talk about things and, and I think uh, if I remember correctly, you were like, Hey, what if we were to just kind of dive into the clone wars episode or arc by arc? And Oh, great. I immediately thought, Oh, that means one day we're going to go to Mortis. Oh, <laughs> we're going to go to Mortis. And uh, here we are. Mortis. There were, yeah, there are a few individual episodes and arcs that made me want to do this show And Mortis is a big one. Cause people have asked, they've had theories about Mortis. Everybody loves Mortis. Um, understandably because there's so much going on and i always thought like well sometime we just really gotta watch them uh with our where our star wars enjoyment hats on but with our uh, analysis hats on and just really dive in and it, i'm so glad we that we're doing it not just isolated but within the whole flow of the of the clone wars so great time to be in mortis as far as i'm concerned if you're following along the episodes in this arc in specific are season three episode 15 overlords that's written by Christian Taylor and directed by Stuart Lee. Season 3, Episode 16, Altar of Mortis, written by Christian Taylor and directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. In Season 3, Episode 17, Ghosts of Mortis, written by Christian Taylor and directed by Stuart Lee. It feels like a good time right here at the top uh, also to acknowledge... Um, I, I did watch the uh, the Filoni behind the scenes that came on the original DVD releases, and that was a great place to totally confirm that uh, George Lucas, uh, the maker, the creator himself, uh, went away and noodled up some ideas about, hey, what, what if they went to a weird force realm and met some gods and they had all these feelings about balance and the chosen one and we went through all this stuff. Hey, guys, go do that. Mm. <laughs> so I think in terms of, you know, we always want to share the the writers uh, of the individual episodes, the directors of the individual episodes, with always kind of a general understanding that the Clone Wars is uh, clearly something where Lucas throws out big picture ideas, Filoni and team refine them. But it's really great for this particular arc to be super clear on that, that Lucas is the one who's like, I want there to be weird force-wielding gods, and I want these kind of things to happen, and I want these issues addressed. Team, make it happen. I yeah that we always recommend you check out the those behind the scene featurettes that are on uh, starwars.com. You can go to Wikipedia and find the backup links if you're looking for a quick way to get to it. Uh great stuff, great re research and it, it was an absolute must for these episodes, right Joseph like it's like all right, let, let me get some insight into what's going on here. I love that Filoni telling the story how he was 10 minutes late to that session or meeting <laughs> and he walks in and everyone's just kind of like you got to hear this. Hey, sit down. You got to grab on your cowboy hat. You got to hear this. George is talking about griffins and gargoyles. You got to get in this. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, a really great way to start. Um, my deepest fear, Ken, about mm -hmm. covering this is trying to contain the episode. You know, can we can we contain the length, the beer yeah. power? There's yeah. so much to discuss. Uh, so I'm going to uh, try to keep uh, moving here. Move us along to the summary. 
which I tried to keep short and I utterly failed. <laughs> God bless you. I, I literally thought I thought I, I was watching it. Uh, I watched each of these episodes five times this week. And wow. around, the fifth, around the fifth time, I went, oh, I wonder what Joseph is cooking up for the summer. <laughs> He's probably sitting there like on a typewriter. I imagine an old timey typewriter. Well, yeah, there's so much going on philosophically, and in, in the summary only only briefly touches on that. But just like the idea of of truly, where are they? Who are these beings? And then all the actual events, just in terms of the literal plot, like what does which character do when and why? A lot happens in these three episodes. So here is my attempt to keep it kind of short. Uh, again, spoiler warning: I failed. Here we go. Here is the summary of Mortis. Mysterious message. The Jedi receive a distress code that has not been used in 2,000 years. The Council sends Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ahsoka Tano, and Anakin Skywalker to investigate. When they arrive at the coordinates in their ETA Jedi shuttle, they can't see Rex's Venator-class Jedi cruiser, which is in the same coordinates. Instead, a strange diamond-shaped monolith appears, opens, and pulls their ship in. Our heroes see a bright light, lose time, and wake up on an organic mass larger than an asteroid, but they can't determine where in the galaxy they are or if they are even in the galaxy they know. Our heroes quickly learn they are on a planet called Mortis, a conduit through which the entire force of the universe flows. It exists outside of normal temporal rules. A single day rushes through every season. Death comes at night and rebirth in the morning. They all experience visions, some real, some manipulations, some unknown. They discover the planet is inhabited by three beings uniquely powerful in the Force. The father, his light side daughter, and his dark side son. The father describes them as anchorites, beings who live in seclusion for spiritual purposes. On a more practical level, he knows their powers could undo life in the universe as the universe knows it, so they reside here to keep the balance. The father has heard of Anakin's possible destiny as the Chosen One and lured the Jedi here to test him. The father tells Anakin in order to fulfill his destiny, Anakin must truly know himself. He then has the son and the daughter abduct Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. Anakin saves his friends by controlling both the daughter and the son, demonstrating he is equally powerful in the light and the dark. The father, convinced Anakin is the Chosen One, reveals he is dying and wants Anakin to replace him and keep his children in balance. Anakin refuses, and our heroes depart. But wait, that's just the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> the son has become greedy for power. He wants to kill his father and escape into the universe, and he believes Anakin can help him do it. So the son kidnaps Ahsoka and corrupts her into a dark side warrior. Anakin rushes to save her while the daughter helps Obi-Wan obtain the Dagger of Mortis, a mystical blade capable of killing the Mortis beings. Obi-Wan... Blade in hand, rushes to Anakin's side. The son kills Ahsoka with a touch and takes the blade. He tries to stab his father, but at the last second, the daughter dives in front of the blade, selflessly sacrificing herself. Anakin convinces the father to help him transfer the last of the daughter's life force to Ahsoka. They succeed, and Ahsoka is revived. Again, the trio of heroes plan to leave. But wait, there's still one more episode. Ahsoka rushes to fix the ship before the sun can use it to escape Mortis and enter the universe, destroying all that is good. Obsessed, Anakin goes to face the sun. He sees a vision of his old master, Qui-Gon Jinn, who also believes Anakin is the Chosen One and encourages him to face his demons and trust his instincts. 
Anakin finds the sun in a lava-filled crater known as the Well of the Dark Side. The sun shows him a vision of the horror and pain Anakin will cause when he becomes Vader. Distraught, Anakin agrees to join the sun, believing together they will have the power to change this dark future. But the father realizes his son has broken the laws of time and removes the memories from Anakin, also freeing him from the dark side. Ultimately, Anakin works with the father to draw the son into a trap. The father, knowing his power flows to the son, stabs himself with the dagger of Mortis. And as the son falls to his knees in grief, Anakin stabs him in the back with his lightsaber. The father proclaims Anakin has restored balance to Mortis and says, stay on this path and you will do it again for the galaxy. But beware your heart. The jewel floating above the temple falls and shatters. A bright light explodes and our heroes wake up back on their ship in their galaxy. For Rex, only moments have passed. But for our heroes, it's been much, much longer. Mm. The end. (sighs) And you were there, Auntie, and you were there, Uncle. <laughs> right. It does have a Wizard of Oz vibe, doesn't it? It does. Really does. It absolutely does. I'm tempted to almost start our conversation there of, did it happen or was it all a vision? I've been asking myself that five times this week, and I don't know the answer. I don't. I know what I want, but I don't know the answer. Okay. Well, uh, here is the follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Does it matter? No. <laughs> right? Because it's what they experienced that matters. It's certainly what we, the audience, experience matters, right? Um, but Correct. for the characters, if it was the Force wanting to show them a vision, or if there really are physical or were physical beings, you know, uh, these physical mortis beings, uh, does it change what the characters learned about themselves? Right. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Right. I, I joke, but yeah, I, I think it all goes points in the same direction at the end of it all. And yes, uh, we, we could talk about the connection to Rebels and Palpatine's, uh, you know, session with it. Uh, and also, um, um, I have some, you know, we always talk about the why of Star Wars is more important than the how. I have some wows or wows. I have some wows because there's definitely some wows. It's big hows of uh, just how they find out. And uh, uh, the father saying, uh, yeah, some know of our existence. Who? Who? Again, whether you're real or not, I'd love to find out. Yeah. I, I Do you do you lean toward, you said you lean toward one another. Do you lean toward real or vision? Uh, real. I, I would love, uh, not that I'm looking for, um, you know, not, not a need confirmation because, again, I think the why is more important than the how and all that stuff. But, yeah, I would love uh, for it to all be real. Yeah, I lean a little bit more toward real, I think, because some of the things that the father says about their history is compelling. Yeah. And and, it, and to me, I think there's something about the fact that it is uh, that these beings are making choices. Like, clearly, they have more power or a different kind of power or a different mm-hmm. relationship with the force. Uh, but they're still characters who have to make choices. And that's a part of the power of these three episodes, not just how it affects Anakin, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, uh, but the fact that no matter how powerful you are, you have choices to make. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, on just a simple level too, I'd love the idea of, you know, a code that had not been heard for 2000 years and just what that could mean for 2000 years ago, you know, and what, uh, and how the, how of, uh, how long they were there and all that kind of stuff. It's just fun stuff to think about. But at the end of the day, this is all a wonderful metaphor for so much. 
Yeah, absolutely. A bunch of different metaphors. So let's talk about overall reactions. We always like to start there. Love it, like it, uh, struggle with it. Uh, big primary impressions. What are your big overall reactions, Ken? This could almost be part one of our episode, huh? <laughs> can just, <laughs> almost be this entire episode. So here's here's where I'll start. Uh, um, I, number one, I wish I remember my exact reaction uh, in 2011 to this. I really honestly don't, but I do remember following this follows the night sisters stuff. Right. And I know yeah. in, in the release, but I think, I think uh, as we're viewing it uh, storyline wise, but also in release anyways, um, cause I, I do remember being real, real dizzy uh, uh, discovering that star Wars also included witches and gods, which by the way, was probably already there. EU stuff, whatever. But for me, a pew pew guy, <laughs> they're going, Whoa, 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 wait, what, what, what now? What now? What did I just watch? Um, but I loved it. And I loved it in 2011. I do remember that, Joseph, because uh, I loved the reappearance of Qui-Gon and Shmi. It was real special, which is interesting because in 2011, I wasn't going around calling myself a prequel fan. Right. That was a little, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine in only my bedroom. You know, like I was like, uh, <laughs> but I was so excited for that. And it meant something. I like the idea that uh, prequel love can be a nightlight. <laughs> it's a nightlight. Get your uh, prequelist nightlight. Uh, so, and 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 we can go back and forth on on some of these thoughts. I have so much, and I know you do of just overall reaction here, Justin. But like for years, I would say, I guess the Mortis arc. When someone asked me what my favorite Clone Wars arc was, I, you know, and then that kind of like, mm, I guess the the Mortis arc. But I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know if that's true any longer because I. I think I'm more into the tales of banking deregulation and tough moral choices in war than I thought, which lines up with my pew, pew, pew uh, origins as a Star Wars fan. But I absolutely love these episodes. Yeah, I think uh, going to my first viewing in uh, 2014, and I'm just speeding through it because I'm enjoying it and I'm really wanting to get to the the mall stuff and the Night Sisters. It, it blew my mind and seeing how the beginning of Maul's return and then to go right from like cool witches and we get to see Dooku's bedroom to, yeah, not only did is Qui-Gon appearing, Shmi is appearing, but it's it's really wrestling with all these big ideas. And it, it's just, again, much like the Night Sisters arc, it feels fearless. It feels like Luke is saying, I want to explore this. I want to push the boundaries of on screen uh, from from me and my team. What is Star Wars? You know, it can be so much. It can be so many things. And obviously, like with that behind the scenes of Filoni talking about uh, the initial plans to include uh, Darth Bane and Darth Revan that that Filoni was nervous about that Lucas eventually pulled because they decided it didn't fit with the mythology of the spirituality of the force to have Sith be able to retain their identity. So it's not that it isn't done with care, um, but there's still that sense of play and expansion. So I think that was the main thing that I was struck by of like, wow, this is just swinging for the fences and, and no fear. Um, yeah. That was my big picture reaction to it. And I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it with kind of some of the central ideas being wrestled with. But I think um, what I really love and find fascinating about the Mortis arc and is one of my big picture reactions is I do like it's this weird mixture of like a, a cosmic horror movie and a morality play mm -hmm. and there is something about the way it's structured that it is dreamlike and haunting like obviously they have actual visions at one point Anakin is asleep and has what appears to really be a dream but even the way these episodes are structured that like each episode it's each episode resolves and then they get pulled back in. And there's something dreamlike about it. Like, it's almost like a dream you can't wake up from. Mm. And because there's actually, in terms of just like plot, 
there's a lot going on. And in terms of ideas, there's a lot going on. Qui-Gon's back. There's a dagger that can kill these gods. There are these gods. They turn into these things. What does that mean about the Chosen One? Obi-Wan seems to be admitting that things aren't going great with Anakin. What is it? Like, there's, it throws so much at you that you can almost feel like the characters in this sort of dreamlike space of like, I really enjoyed that, but I'm not sure what's going on. And then when you take a big step back, which I think I was really able to do to look at it for this podcast, what's actually going on is, is, is pretty direct, right? This, mm-hmm. for me, it is really an essay on what is the balance of the force. It's these characters kind of embody the force mm-hmm. and they play out a little drama between the mortis beans that shows you what happens when the force gets out of balance and why. And then there is just this central, very clear through line, if you kind of separate it out, of what would it take for Anakin to be able to fulfill his destiny without falling to the dark side? Uh, I feel like that's what all of the, we'll talk about it more, but I just want to mention it in the big picture, that these big questions of what is the balance of the force? Well, you know, not only what does it mean to be the chosen one, but more importantly, you know, what does it mean to Anakin as an actual human, as a person, to have this this burden and what does he need to do in order to fulfill this burden? I feel like those are the two central questions, mm-hmm. but they can kind of disappear in all of this like great dreamlike fantasy, beautiful yeah. uh, explosion of ideas. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're right here in the same arena of uh, Sith and, and Jedi or what are light and dark, uh, which we'll talk about too. Um, I, like I said, I really love these episodes and I love them more now when you look at them as, as just metaphors for Star Wars and for us, right? You and I love just finding what's in Star Wars that we can take into our personal life. And holy moly, this is it. And I, and I love too. you touch upon it, but I love, I do want to address it. I love that it's, this is from George's mind. And I truly think these three episodes are more of a look into what the sequel trilogy might have not been about, but contained parts of based on those comments George made about, no, I'm going to go into, we're going into the, the center of the, 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 you know, tiny little micro universe. Yeah. We're going down into the, yeah, the, the reality of the midi chlorians. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the many things he said. So. Yeah. I, I think, I think we, I, I really do not just, not necessarily Mortis. Like you would have been episode nines about Mortis, but like, I think George would have been like, let's do this again. Uh, and, and I would have loved to have seen people's reactions to that, but I love these episodes for that and for what you're saying. And then to, to follow with what you're, you're getting to there. I, I, I touched upon it, but I was intimidated uh, about this arc to analyze it, even to the point of almost a little stress this week. At one point, Grace was like, Hey, you want to go for a walk? I was like, honey, I can't think these are the most important Star Wars episodes ever. And I must sit down with these. <laughs> which I apologize for, but like, uh, because one of them is I want to find myself playing uh, the plot game. And that's a game I played a lot in 2011. It's a fun game to play and you should play it. And, 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 and every scene, what is, uh, what is this referencing in Star Wars? Even Filoni talks about the behind the scenes at the time saying six films saying, Oh, these, these three episodes connect and talk about and, and speak on and are there uh, to, to, you know, connect with all six of the movies at the time. And I, I believe you and I would, would put forth that now you can add the, the, the other nine or even uh, up to episode nine, but also add Rogue One and Solo in a way, the way we talk about Star Wars. Here. Absolutely. Uh, but so I, but I saw, I saw my, my first couple of viewings this week, it was like, uh, all right, what does that mean? Oh, uh, Qui-Gon's there. And, and, and you start doing that. And by the way, that's all fun. But then I, I started to pull back as well, Joseph. And, and I got to say, this might be the simplest Star Wars story ever. <laughs> it's, it's so simple. And, and, and I kind of take them as Anakin's own personal Dagobah cave. And it's a biblical-like parable. 
uh, here's the light, here's the dark. What is your relationship to them? And, and, and I just kind of then started to approach it like that and even more thoughts and ideas, right or wrong, but more of them popped into my head about these episodes and I almost had too much to say about them. Yeah, no, I, I'm in the in the same boat of uh, having a lot to say, but also just that there the through line is more direct than I think it sometimes feels like based on just the amount of fantastic things going on. Yeah, because again, uh, 2011, I'm wowed by, did I just see scenes from Revenge of the Sith and hear dialogue and then Alderaan explodes? Oh my God, I know those things. Those are things right. like Star Wars. And, and you can get so excited and that's Qui-Gon, that's Liam Neeson, that's Pernilla August. And and by the way, you should get it. It's so cool. And even Filoni talking about uh, how he fanboyed out because he was in a recording <laughs> session with Liam Neeson. It's amazing. That's why we're all here. Um, but I also think you should really look at these episodes for just sitting down and looking at your own life and your relationship to all these tough choices you have to make. And that's the power of Star Wars. This is George going, let's toss it all aside and let's talk about what this series is about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, final thing for me in the big overall reaction, I just wanted to throw it out there because we talk about this a lot. I love how much uh, Star Wars pulls different genres. Obviously, fantasy has always been a big genre. You know, Star Wars, the actual first film, its magic is that it's space fantasy. It's kind of science fiction because it's, you know, got spaceships and, and lasers and stuff, uh, but it's so rooted in fantasy. And this is fascinating to really look at just the actual aesthetic of Mortis itself is full-on fantasy like as much as the zillow beast is going let's just go full kaiju right mm -hmm. <laughs> as much as some of you know uh obi-wan's uh, attack the clone stuff is let's just do noir detective story mortis is like let's do capital f fantasy right like <laughs> the way the father just looks like a, a wizard out of dungeons and dragons like still star warsified absolutely but yeah. like the daughter and turning into these beasts of myth and you know at all these different points obi-wan and anakin and ahsoka are seeing a faraway you know castle tower with maybe answers in the distance you know a, a, a one true sword that can kill the anchorites you know a yeah. well of dark side energy that's literally descending to hell some of it is just more absolute 100 fantasy Mm -hmm. uh, than some Star Wars is. I had to pull a pull out of some research this week because I was looking at some of the trivia gallery stuff and the the design of the the area in which the Dagger Mortis uh, is um, found. You probably read this too, Joseph, or probably knew it because uh, I am uh, more of a I don't know. Uh, I like uh, I don't know. Ken, shut up. Um, <laughs> this ties to Wagner Siegfried, right? Uh, and this and I start, so I was reading all uh, I was reading all the the stuff about uh, Siegfried from 1851 and, and how this blade, this wielder does not know fear. And I just, I had to pull back. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, it's just the hero's journey. <laughs> like, stop. Yeah. But stop. I mean, but there is, but there's power in the way it is framed differently, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, that invites those questions of, you know, what other myths is it talking to? What does it mean in the Star Wars context? You know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and Saruman, some of the, the, the Lord of the Rings designs, it, it's, it's, it, you're so right. They just were like, let's roll some, some natural twenties here. Let's, <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this. Yes. It has everything but a gelatinous cube from, from D and D. Yeah. Uh, I'm joking a little bit and it, I like that vibe. I think it sets it apart and I do think it is still Star Warsified. The, the sun's design is very oh, of yeah. Star Wars. Right. But there's a lot of it. That's just very fantasy. And I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the morals of the episode. Uh, the episodes we could we could easily <laughs> spend a long time there, uh, but uh, these are powerful, potent morals. I would say uh, the first one is balance is found in the one who faces his guilt. 
The second is he who surrenders hope surrenders life. And the final is he who seeks to control fate shall never find peace. Uh, do you have any thoughts on those um, that isn't just getting into our big discussion? Because these are really, <laughs> I think, tied to our big discussion, you know? I'm already scrolling to the uh, big things, what are stakes in this episode. No, I, um, I, I do love them all. These are the ones, the Clone Wars uh, morals that are just... Hey, that's what they're about. Um, I, all of them kind of spoke to me. The I've been the guilt one. I've been really wonderfully just wrestling with what they tr what this episode's truly saying about guilt, and and I landed on this idea of guilt as our own dance with the light and dark of uh, looking uh, looking at the past, which might be um, dark, and 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 how you move forward to maybe try to go towards the light and, and guilt can control that. There's a lot of things about that. And Shmi, the, the vision of Shmi, the dream of Shmi saying your guilt does not define you. That one was an interesting, I ruminated a lot on it, but I also really love the, the thing about control, giving up control. That's a hard thing for all of us to do. And I think that one spoke uh, more vibrantly to me. Yeah. I think the power of these is they do directly relate to the episodes. They directly relate to the big ideas, but I also think they are, they do like you were saying of the, if this is Lucas uh, through the power of his team uh, exploring, okay, what, what is, what is star Wars, especially like the spiritual side of star Wars. Mm -hmm. All of these are kind of directly related to like, y y we could list 800 different moments and characters for each one of these mm -hmm. that, in the story of Star Wars um, that these apply to, right? Because yeah. they are just kind of um, really, they're both deep and profound, but also like these very evergreen, this is the spiritual philosophy that is being communicated by Star Wars. Um, yeah. He who surrenders hope surrenders life. Like, hey, hey, that's, uh, I see that, uh, I hear that, and uh, I see uh, I see poor Poe trying to hold on to hope before mm -hmm. everybody comes back and helps him at the Battle of Exegol, right? Uh, yeah. He who seeks to control fate shall never find peace. There's so much in Star Wars that's about the what happens when you try to control everything, you know, and, and mm -hmm. don't accept that there's some things that you can't control. I've been thinking about Leia's line to Tarkin about the more you tighten your grasp, the more star systems slip through yeah. your fingers, right? That That's right there. Balance is the one who, who balance is found in the one who faces his guilt. I think for me, this is really about the kind of core hero's journey of, in order to ascend to light, ascend to understanding, you have to go into that, you know, valley of darkness. And mm -hmm. in so many Star Wars stories, there's literalizations of that where characters have to descend into something literally deeper and darker uh, before they go up and out. But I feel like in this, it really is like you, you have to deal with and acknowledge and wrestle with the worst of what you could be so you can understand it and move away from it. And that's, that's the power of that one to me. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I almost. I had the least notes on this one because it. You know, even though I was wrestling with it, because it's. Just, it is just kind of that. It's Ray in the cave, Luke in the cave, a lot of caves, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of stuff like that, and and then where where Anakin and and well, where the sun's kind of camping out there at the end of this arc. I think you're right, and that's and that's and how guilt uh, has uh, can 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 have that grip, and and when you want to fix it, you're going to try to control the path going forward, and and there's a lot of forgiveness, thoughts of forgiveness uh, pop up for me in these episodes, just when these episodes are speaking to you in your own life. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I was going to list another example of uh, going through that Valley of Darkness in Star Wars, but I'm going to edit myself to prove that I can, and we're going to move on uh, to the big ideas, the what's really at stake uh, in these episodes. Mm. Uh, I'll throw this out here, Ken. For me, uh, there were I, I got a lot uh, listed in in how the the themes and ideas connect to the larger story and morality and perspective of Star Wars. 
But really, for the big picture thing, I only have a couple because I think there are just a couple of big ideas that are really, really wrestled with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm Actually, very- I have two. Two <laughs> main ideas. It's just that there's a lot of notes under some of them. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm scrolling through my notes too. And uh, that, but it gives a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun just keep pulling out these little things and going back and going, you know, oh, what, this, this, and this, and that. So yeah, dive in as you please, uh, my friend. Though. Let's okay. go do it. Well, let's let's uh, let's start here, and I want to see how much it it lines up with your thoughts. I do feel like just one of the biggest uh, ideas is just this i this uh, story of what balance is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the prequel films, I think there's certainly like evidence for it, but in there's discussion of it, but we don't get to ever dive deep into what does uh, bringing balance back to the force mean. We learn that it is interpreted by the Jedi as destroying the Sith, right? And it leaves often fans with lots of questions. I did a whole star Wars counseling on what I thought it meant. And then it's fun to go revisit this and and say like, I think that what actually happens in Mortis is demonstrating exactly what it is. Um, so for you, is that one of the big things you pulled out, the idea of balance? Uh, and, and how you and how you get there and what that might mean. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and the choices along the way as you, re- as you try to relate to that. I keep talking about the, the relationship to light and dark comes up a lot in my own notes here. Uh, just because uh, we're all fighting it there and, and, and how you, know, you, you and I have talked and now you, you did the counseling of just like um, – the Sith aren't the only ones. Even the funny, even the father says something about that too. About the the Sith are but a but a few or but one of a group trying to control the power, right? And so, uh, yeah. dark side exists outside of them too. But uh, and how that can sometimes uh, growing up as a Star Wars fan, you think, yeah, yeah, the Jedi striking down the Sith is what balances, and that these episodes kind of tell me no, because the sun. It's interesting how to me the sun. That he is he's close with the dark side. He knows the dark side, but the fear that kind of emerges by the father in this episode and the others is the sun is moving closer to the dark side. He's not, yeah. up, he's getting closer to it, which is the danger. Interesting stuff. Yeah. And I think for me that that's what really speaks to me uh, about this idea of balance. I think when they first get to Mortis, you know, Mortis is in balance and, mm-hmm. you know, and the father sets things off by trying to control something he wants, you know, he's yep. dying and he wants to control what happens next. Mm-hmm. Um, but, we kind of see the the uh, just this little peak of what this n- balance looks like, and it very much relates to uh, when Luke has Ray look into the Force and try to understand it in the Last Jedi. Of there's this oh, yeah. natural balance where the planet rapidly moves through the natural cycle of life. Right there is uh, you know life all through the day that evolves and changes. It goes through the seasons, and then death comes, and then rebirth comes immediately in the morning, and that to me is like this picture of the natural light and dark in balance. You know, it, Ray even says it in the last Jedi, you know, uh, death that brings new life. Um, then there's just lots of imagery, of course, throughout that is all about, you know, duality and balance. You know, Mortis has two moons. Uh, when we first see that monastery, particularly the father's throne room, it is so super symmetrical mm-hmm. with the father's throne. Uh, framed by the statues of the light side griffin and the dark side uh, gargoyle. So all these images of symmetry and balance, uh, light, joy, hope, birth, that's there. Death, sadness, decay, that's there too. That's normal. That's great. And then what, um, what throws it out of balance is what Lucas, you can find videos of Lucas describing. Uh, what you can see happen during the Clone Wars is... The sun, 
who is naturally of death, of decay, says, this isn't enough for me to be in balance. I see this opportunity to have more, to spread, to have my feeling of darkness touch everything and consume everything. And that's the actual like plot, right? That's what Mm -hmm. is going on is that the point of Mortis is for the father to keep the light in the dark uh, contained. And he even says neither of them spreading farther, right? It's staying in their natural balance. And then the son wants to kill the father, wants to take power, wants to escape out of this natural balance and, you know, spread darkness throughout uh, not just the galaxy, but the universe, which we will talk about. Um, And the father even says to the son, you have done what is forbidden. You've chosen the dark side and allowed it to feed your anger and desire for power. So we've got this, this threat of this picture of balance, this threat of it being thrown out of balance by the dark side, not just being in balance with the light, but wanting more Mm. uh, and for selfish reasons, wanting more. And then we do have this very interesting moment that when Anakin has killed the son and when all of the Mortis beings are gone, the father does say that Anakin has restored balance to Mortis. And I kind of interpret that as the balance has been restored because uh, everything is contained. There isn't overreach from the dark side and there isn't overreach from the light side. It is back to the natural balance. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 and and there again too, where a, a group like the Sith puts a name on it and says, "This is what we're going to do. We're going to make sure it's out of whack, and the Jedi must stand up." But then now I'm jumping as I'm listening to your talk uh, here, Joseph. I'm jumping right to the moment in this end of this first episode where Anakin proves he's the chosen one by literally getting them to both bow in front of him, right, serving uh, the concept of the center, the balance, the one that's going to control them, and how they're not. It isn't about uh, him breaking the neck of the sun right there. It's yeah. the literal control, the literal uh, yin and yang of, the, uh, of both sides. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes I know fans interpret it, and of course fans are open to interpret it however uh, they like, but I think fans you know, can interpret that like, oh, well, the light in the dark, they're supposed to be in balance and the light side can overreach too. But I think kind of what we see in the story of Star Wars is this is why the Jedi want defense. This is why the Jedi don't want to take, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, control of the Senate. This is why the philosophy is, hey, some amount of death and decay and sadness and anger, that's natural and that's going to happen. We're here at the 50 yard line to say, stay on your side. Yeah. And that's the goal of the light side is to say, stay, stay on your side of the line, you know? And I don't think we've seen an example in Star Wars philosophically, in my opinion, I think we've seen the light side make an error where they've stepped too far in the dark side, where their, their defense has turned into aggression and it has fed the dark side. But I don't think we've seen the light side step over that 50 yard line. Uh, No, no. And and they do such a great job in this episode with like the, even when um, the daughter, I was going to say springs into action. Well, yeah, she springs into action. It's all so clearly out of defense. It's all clearly out of out of, out of uh, selflessness, which she even talks about directly. So I, I think that backs up to your real point. And then, and and then, some of the bigger examples of just again that concept of balance. And I'm I'm, I'm speaking for myself of, of, of your perspective of it in the '80s. It's just you know, or whenever you saw the movies, or whenever you're young, or whenever you first introduced to Star Wars. Let's uh, make it for everyone here. Uh, it is you know, you want the Emperor destroyed, right? Throw the emperor down that tube. Yeah, kill him, and then all the dark side's gone. But I, I love. I, I think a lot about uh, you, you. Bring it up a lot too of the, that great Padme line that's lost in post Anakin slaughtering the Tuscan Raiders. Of you know, it, it's uh, you know, anger is human, right? And and 
and we all have this in it. And, and so that is, this is our relationship with it. This is the balance and, 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 and you can't destroy, you're never going to not be angry. <laughs> That's not yeah. how it works. You're never not going to have fear. In fact, it's valuable to know fear a little bit uh, going back to this, 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 uh, Siegfried, uh, this Wagner thing. It is, it is literally about the, the lesson of someone needing to learn fear, this hero that has no fear. Uh, I'm, I'm summarizing it down to, to, <laughs> You know what I mean? But like, that's what the dagger represents in this episode too, is a little bit of uh, uh, facing and controlling that fear. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's deep stuff, but again, so simple, light, dark. What, what are you going to choose and, and keep them, keep them in check? Yeah. Yeah. Acknowledge them and balance them. Yeah. Yes. And, and, if, and when you act on anger and you spread pain, that spreads the dark side and that's exactly what the sun is doing, you know? Yeah, there's no there's no amount of the sun shouldn't exist. It's the like sun don't destroy everything so only you exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um so the, the other big theme for me I want to throw this out there and then I want to give it give it over to you to see kind of where we're aligned. Mm-hmm. The other big theme for me is just this idea of knowing yourself. Um I think there is a little bit of a a, a I, I not a, not even a full arc but a little bit of Ahsoka's uh, potential fears and traumas are played with. Um, I think there's a little bit of weight given to Obi-Wan being pretty steadfast, but also maybe failing Anakin. So there's a little bit with Ahsoka and Obi-Wan about knowing themselves. But I feel like the balance is sort of shown. It's the plot. But in terms of what this three-episode arc is about, to me it is about can Anakin face himself truly know himself deal with his pain deal with his darkness so he can move forward because if he can't do that he's not going to fulfill the prophecy um Mm -hmm. i feel like that is to me just at its absolute core what this is about um and and i have some some thoughts on that and some notes on that but i want to bet it back to you and kind of see where you're going yeah, no, that's, I, I wrote down this idea of facing who you are. Then I have a lot of things as we start to look at the bigger perspective of Star Wars there. I, I think you and I both might be all over the place in our notes, which is just the fun of discussing this episode. I get excited to, to dump it all into a concept <laughs> here. Um, but in, 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 this, in finding that and facing who you really are, uh, it's interesting that there's a couple. There's one note of uh, the father that says like, yeah, you know, you've kind of always known this, Anakin. You've kind of always known this, but I love this. Are you the one is the big first question we get from the daughter. One, what? Like, it's a, it's a funny little sequence. Um, and I think we are all kind of dazzled by the prophecies regarding Vader as fans, as you should be. It's, it's, it's kind of cool in its own weird Vader-like way. But this is truly a story about confronting who you are and, the, and that potential for darkness inside us all that you, you and I are talking about. And that how you have to go forward with that, the choice will always be yours. And that starts flowing in these other ideas you just touched upon. Um, I love that they touch a lot of in the first episode, particularly of, of doubt and guilt as seeds of fear. All three of our characters are visited by these kind of ghostly reminders of like a Christmas carol. And they're all ha- have doubt in them and how doubt we talk about fear a lot in star Wars and, and, and guilt all this episode, but doubt is, is kind of a, a seed for me as well. That starts to grow all these things because guilt, fear and anger start coming out of, of things when, when you're, you're talking about um, your life and these ghosts to me represent a little bit of the present, a little bit of the past, a little bit of the future for all these guys that, you know, uh, Qui-Gon, you know, did, did you do what I asked you to? 
And Obi-Wan's not sure of that answer. He's not sure if he did. Well, um, I, I, I love what you're saying about doubt, because I think when you frame it that way, I think Obi-Wan's answer is like, yeah, but I don't think I did a great job. Because yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. still, uh, he's so powerful. You were right. He's so powerful, mm-hmm. but he's so willful and stubborn. And I don't know, like, so Obi-Wan is kind of, whether he sees it, he truly yeah. He is answering with a little bit of doubt. I love that. And I love the idea that it's, you know, future Ahsoka saying some things that, you know, end mm-hmm. up, you know, so cool to see now when we've seen future Ahsoka, yeah. uh, you know, saying some things that, yeah, Ahsoka's probably questioning like, Ooh, I, I, I know I tell everybody it's great how, yeah. uh, how passionate and, and headstrong my master is, but is that good? I think framing that as doubt is really, really a great insight. Yeah. Soka visited by her literal future here in the stream and, and just it's, it's, she has doubt about her teacher. Right. I mean, that's, that's absolutely it's horrible. You're supposed to sit there and be like, am I on the right path? Is he leading me on the right path? And anything he says from here on out, including, Hey, what should we get for lunch tomorrow? You're going to doubt him. You're going to doubt. And, and, and then, and then, um, other things and maybe ego and, and a grab for not necessarily power, but just like, trying to control that Ahsoka might try to con- control that because also I think this, these episodes do a great job of showing the dark side as disease and, and quite literally with Ahsoka being bitten by uh, what I call the prison troll, um, <laughs> you know, it's literally taken as a, you know, almost like a zombific- zombification of Ahsoka. It's the dark side. And that happens because he's having a conversation with her. Uh, he says, if you are to survive, you must forget your master. It is about, um, Going to episode nine again, how these connect to these seven, eight, nine, even though they weren't made yet of, of, uh, Zori bliss. That's how they win. They make you think you're alone. All that big stuff that you and I love in episode nine. It's a, so Ahsoka is experiencing that right now. I'm, I'm left here to die. And this little prison troll is telling me, Oh, if you, Oh, you want to survive, you must deconnect with those so valuable to, you must give up on them. Forget your master, forget it. And that's when she's like, okay. And she puts her hand down and the dark side bites her and it starts to grow. And it's a disease that infects. And that's how you and I talk about the the little micro levels of the dark side and light side showing themselves throughout star Wars and why Palpatine was so interested in that there. It, it's, it's all, I love those visions. And, and, and the Anakin, we talk about Padme, uh, uh, well, talking about Padme with his mom. Uh, I love that one too. And there's so much doubt and guilt wrecked, uh, wrecked all through that one. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I loved it. Just to follow up on, on your Ahsoka thing. I love that we get to see her dark side. Uh, yeah, she's diseased, but I also just love that the things that she's saying in her dark side version is all the fears that would make her fall to the dark side, not by being a uh, bit by a prison troll. <laughs> yeah, right. But if she had fallen to the dark side, to hear those really human fears that Anakin didn't trust her or appreciate her mm-hmm. or going with the fear that the future version of her says that Anakin will destroy her future. Mm. It, that's such a great picture of like, yeah, this is how you fall to the dark side of giving into those kind of fears that mm-hmm. you aren't loved, that the person who is supposed to love you actually hates you or disrespects you you know that's so powerful think of anakin uh, and 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 padme would attack the clones while she's uh, packing for their little uh, get out of town vacation for safety uh and all that stuff with anakin and, and you can you know uh, you can start a youtube channel and poke fun at, at hayden's delivery in that scene all you want but it's a powerful scene about why or how more importantly he's going to fall Obi-Wan wants this and Obi-Wan doesn't let, you know, later on, he, Obi-Wan doesn't even want me to fly fruit at you. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, why, why is he upset? Cause that, that, that con, he can't control that future or he feels Obi-Wan's controlling his future. All those kind of things that Ahsoka is experiencing right here, right now. 
yeah, you fall into the dark side and you blame others instead of your choices. Yeah. 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 Um, that, these are great insights. I, it would be great to just dive into the, the Anakin arc because I think that is uh-huh. the meat of this episode. Does that sound good to you? I love it. Yeah. So wh- a couple of things that I love about it is I love that it starts out with what feels like fun Clone Wars era banter. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really showing like just kind of the day to day problem that Anakin is dealing with of like temper and rigidity in particular. Like he harshly judges anything abnormal. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's a joke that we were talking about it last week with kind of the way he's, you know, mm-hmm. really kind of negative towards Ventress kind of cause she's different. Yeah. Like we know that he has this risk of being rigid and seeing things in a simple binary, mm-hmm. wanting to keep some things simple so he can fix them, wanting everything to be, that's just a bolt and I tighten it and it's better. Mm-hmm. And, not that's not a mindset of somebody who's like this is a complex problem let me get into it and let me deal with the fear that maybe i can't fix this this is somebody who wants to keep a world view that everything is a shape (laughs) that fits inside another shape and anything that doesn't fit in that shape is dumb and annoying and i don't want to deal with it and we get that you know the he he says you know when the daughter shows up i thought the planet was strange how about this one it's like He has no patience for this, no interest in this. He just wants to get back to what he knows. He just wants to be back on a Venator mm-hmm. blowing crap up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody calls him out on this again and again. The father says to him, you have a very simple view of the universe. Uh, the son <laughs> says to him, how simple you make it. So this this idea that Anakin is not willing to deal with things in complex terms is really laid out. And then even, you know, worse, you know, not, I guess not even worse, but what flows from that is he has this complex problem of his guilt yeah. and he he's not facing it, right? He knows it's there, but it's not a machine that he can turn the screw and fix. And I love that he expresses that complexity of guilt mm. to, uh, to Shmi. Uh, he's got that great line, uh, or to fake Shmi, because it's a manipulation from the sun, that one's clear. Yeah. That Anakin says... I failed as a Jedi and I failed you. And it's one of the few times where I feel like we hear Anakin acknowledging complexity because the I failed you is what we hear often from Anakin, that he's a powerful Jedi. He should have went back and saved her earlier. He got there too late, but that I failed as a Jedi that's there in, in attack of the clones from Revenge of the Sith. He, he admits it a couple of times. I'm not the Jedi I'm supposed to be in that, but we don't hear it as often that like first I didn't get to you in time. And then when I did, I did something pointless and awful. I, I slaughtered all these people. You know, he said, I tasted only vengeance when I slaughtered so many to avenge your death, you know? Mm. So he's getting to this point where he is admitting the problem and he's admitting its complexity. And then the whole rest of this arc, different people keep going like, look at yourself, deal with yourself. And he's like, nah, I've admitted it's there, but I'm not dealing with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is wonderful. Uh, wonderful stuff. Uh, and I, 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 the, the, the beginning of these episodes, uh, you're so right with the Clone Wars banner. I'd love to talk about that here in a, in a bit, but like, um, this, vi- this visitation by, by, uh, fake Shmi, ghost Shmi, <laughs> sun influence Shmi, uh, fascinating stuff. I, I love that it begins with her going kind of like, Hey, Anakin, I have a secret, right? She says, I have a secret. Uh, and, and eventually she has, I think a direct, I, I didn't write this quote down specifically, but you know, she screams, she gets upset and then son essentially screaming. She's, she represents Anakin's fate. I believe she says, right. 
Um, but along the way, to dive into it and follow up what you're saying here, this idea that so if, if Anakin's being visited by someone who, who's like, hey, I have a secret and I represent all these things as guilt and these fears and these things you did wrong, it to me becomes shame. The secret is, is the shame that Anakin's carrying. And therefore, that just becomes so much easier to bury it until it poisons you. It becomes this dark side disease uh, that, that we all deal with. And if you can just deal with it and acknowledging it isn't enough, I think you're so right. Uh, and and she says, uh, I think the secret, oh, I did write this, that the secret is everything you've ever done has led you to this. Now, that could be really positive, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Lights, I could see that as your own hero's journey. We, t- we talk about that a lot of destiny is just about bringing you a big thing of choice and and everything that you know luke went through uh, the horrible you know it's these trials to get get to where you need to be and you can either make something of that or not but anakin totally sees that uh, as doesn't see that in a positive way because the dark side wants you to bring that guilt forward right carry that guilt so this whole dream is is about him admitting this guilt uh his mom the, the spirit of his mom saying i have a secret and that secret is Everything that's happened so far has led you to this. And he's like, God, oh, you're right. Oh, I can't deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. I can't fix it. I love that. It, to me, it all ties together in, in, in the bubbling emotions of Anakin. Absolutely. And he, he, there's that great moment of him telling her that he, you know, at first he's like, you're not my mom. And then it's yeah. like immediately kind of crumbles to the comfort of what is to the point where he's talking to her like she is his mom of like, I have a wife. You, you know her. You met her, you know. Like he's trying to confide in her. It's it's really uh, heartbreaking stuff. And Anakin's got that great line of uh, the only love I feel in my heart is haunted by what would happen should I let go. Yeah. And, you know, and I love that that can be read both ways, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Of like, well, if I let go of Padme and admit maybe I'm not supposed to be in this relationship, then, you know, do do I lose being a Jedi? Do I lose my status or, right. you know, uh, or the only love I feel in my heart is haunted by what should happen. What would happen? Should I let go? Meaning I know the violence I'm capable of if Mm. anything happens to Padme, you know? So I think you can, for me, I can kind of interpret the line two ways, but they both go to what you're talking about of this sense of being stuck. Um, And, and I think that's so what Shmi represents of, you know, we we can talk about, you know, how, how, does this make sense in terms of real life parenting? (laughs) But in the mythic sense, you know, Shmi wants what's best for him and, and gives him the great advice. Don't look back. Yeah. And he spends years looking back. He spends years wondering about what about my mom? And then he loses her and he <laughs> takes this horrible action and slaughters these people. And he can't let that go in his. So I think his mom becomes this symbol of doing the opposite of mm-hmm. the advice that she gave him is being unwilling and unable to move forward, but just tearing himself up about the past without doing anything to move forward. Yeah, I, I love that you brought in the episode one stuff. Uh, it's, it's you know, you and I just, and ever, a lot of force in our listeners, we just love that Padme stuff in episode one. And I had written down this idea of Anakin can't change things in the past. Yes, uh, none of us really can. Um, the guy, But now Anakin's going to bring it all forward uh, with him, that guilt, that shame, that fear. It's not processed. And you see how that can, you know, look at what happened. We, we looked at uh, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, not too long ago here on the main show. There's someone who, uh, looks at the past and goes, uh, uh, I can't change it. So I must destroy it and control everything about it in the future. And I, I'm going to, I don't, I don't even want to bring that guilt forward. And, and Anakin brings it forward a different way. And he's going to bring it, he's going to bring it to, to, to the relationship with Padme, to what's going on with Padme and, and, and what's going on with him going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So in, in the, the Anakin spirit of moving forward, <laughs> which he is failing to do, 
so this is this stuff is all great. It, it's great nuance of of the the journey that Anakin goes on. But where I feel like Mortis arc like really breaks fascinating ground is to hear how this relates to the prophecy of the chosen one and how Anakin actually feels about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a fascinating to to learn that how Anakin kind of feels about it is ah that's that's a little complex. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, the, the myth is brought up to him, or or the the chosen one status is brought up to him. All these all these weird creatures that he doesn't really want to deal with are <laughs> bringing it up to him, and he responds by just saying the chosen one is a myth. Yeah. Great delivery, great direction, because it tells us everything we want to know. Of like, you know, Anakin knows he's powerful. You know, he wants to be powerful. So the the part of the prophecy where you're real powerful, he's like two big thumbs up. Great. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. But the one where you have responsibility, where you have a burden to do something where it is, it's an ancient prophecy. Some people believe it. It can be interpreted in multiple different ways. You may or may not be the subject of this prophecy. That is way too much complexity for <laughs> Anakin. Right. And it makes perfect sense that he would yeah. not want to deal with that. Yeah. And I feel like, go ahead. No, no, I just, I love the father of that moment just going, oh, oh, is it? Oh, <laughs> let's find out. Let's find out. Uh, well, let's find out. Um, yeah. And so I love that it then becomes human, right? This, this mm-hmm. big myth. We, now we know this prophecy. We know how Anakin feels about it. Uh, we, we know how Obi-Wan feels about it. And, and we get to see this personal connection where I feel like what the father and what Qui-Gon are saying to Anakin when they keep pushing him to face himself or questioning, like you are, might already know the answer to that. It's basically saying like, you do have this responsibility. You do have this power. You do have this burden. You will not be able to fulfill it in a positive way unless you feel balanced and complete and whole as a person. Mm. So as a person, Forget the myth and just deal with your BS, man. <laughs> yeah. Just deal with your problems. It's very mythic, but it, it is really like, what is what is holding you back? What do you fear? What are you not dealing with? You know, look at your guilt and shame up close. Go down literally into that valley of darkness and face the absolute worst so you can make a different choice. And I think the, the big story here is that he yet again fails to do that, right? Because... Yeah. Um, he keep he, even when Qui Gon appears to him, Anakin keeps being very binary and absolute. Where you know Qui Gon saying great things to him, and then he says, "So do I leave or do I stay and kill him?" <laughs> yeah. Tell me, option A or B? You know, righty tighty or lefty loosey? Because that's what I do. Uh, and yeah. and Qui Gon responds, "Neither. Look deeper. You will find another way." This is very much about being open to, uh, you know, different ideas. You know, and he's brave, so he does. He goes to of the well of the dark side. Uh, the son gives him that vision. And what does he say at the very beginning of that vision? Anakin says, I will not look. I will not look. <laughs> so he went down there and he went down there to face things. And he is being manipulated by the son, obviously. But that's <laughs> a part of facing your own darkness and facing the dark side is getting through the shadow of lies and finding your own your own truth. Right. Um, and we get this incredibly great human moment once he is kind of forced to look at the danger of what he will become if he doesn't deal with his guilt and his shame and his pain. And we get that beautiful line, probably my favorite thing about this of the, I will do such terrible things Mm. just truly hear Anakin know that those choices are wrong and awful is so uh, heartbreaking and beautiful. And the delivery is so great. Um, But then his reaction 
instead of taking, I think, Qui-Gon's advice and, and facing it, dealing with it, uh, his reaction to this uh, horrible future is to try to control it. Mm-hmm. And what we see here, I think, is the same as the way he actually does fall eventually, is he sees a future he doesn't like, and he agrees to ally himself to the dark side to stop the fall to the dark side, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, he says, I've seen what I've become and I won't let that happen. He gets manipulated by the sun. He says, well, it's this, you know, emperor you're seeing who's going to do it. And together we could destroy him. And that we see Anakin fail to face his problems and instead just go for a quick, mm. easy, proactive solution of great. Well, I'll team up with this guy and we'll go destroy the guy, the external problem instead of looking at anything internal. Yeah, there's a there's something in that sequence too. I I was uh, trying to write it down, and I think I ran out of time. But the son's kind of like, uh, hey, you don't have to fight me. You know, you can work with me on this. Uh, and even though we we've talked a lot about balance and not necessarily wiping out the dark side, but it's just like fighting against those urges. And and some of these urges are this t- power totally being offered as a way to control your path, a, a way to control your world, and which leads to these great concepts of peace and safe and secure society. So to see. Anakin, who earlier in the episode says, uh, I will not willingly, uh, willfully turn to the dark side and to see that it, 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 it isn't, um, it isn't going to be that, you know, just simple, like you said, of, of, uh, of this idea that, uh, no, nah, you know, I'm not going to go to the dark side. It's like, you know, the dark side isn't this thing you're fighting. It's, it's coming through the side door here with these, this great sales pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. And this grip of control that you need for your life, your path and your choices. And it's the only way to stop all this. It's such a realistic look at how Anakin fell for me to see it like that as someone back in 2005 who went that that's all. That's all <laughs> you got. You got mad because it was white. You know, and it's like it's so powerful because it's so normal. And if we all um, looked ahead in our own lives and saw bad things forthcoming you'd want to control it and by control you just start to lose grip uh, the grip on everything yeah i mean i think what happens in you know the story of of revenge of the sith and anakin's story in general is the same thing that happens here is anakin is shown a bad thing that might happen and in order to stop it he chooses to do a bad thing for sure right now mm-hmm yeah, and and it, and it and it, I think that the the lesson is is really a, about you know trying to know yourself, know your pain, know your dark side, which is natural, uh, and not giving into it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know we got this the great moment at the end when the father says, "And now I die, my heart broken, but knowing the role you will play." And Anakin finally asking, "And what is that?" Instead of just <laughs> yeah. pushing it away. And say, and the father says, you are the chosen one. You have brought balance to this world. Stay on this path and you will do it again for the galaxy. But beware your heart. So really saying, not beware Palpatine. He's going to manipulate you. But beware the pain and anger and guilt and shame that you have that you're not dealing with. And I think the great tragedy of this episode is, you know, they wake up back in the ship, back in their galaxy. And Anakin's just like, that was weird. Yeah. (laughs) Not going to think about that too much. Hey, Rex, where are we going next to fight? Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, and and the beware the heart thing uh, connects. Maybe summarizes even what I was trying to say even better. Of just like we are all going to stand up to the uh, black cape, red sabered villain. That's an easy choice, right? 
totally mm-hmm. stand up, destroy them. But then, you know, that is what's coming in to, uh, to get you from the side. That's what got the Jedi. That's what we always talk about. The, well, we're looking for justice for the Jedi, but uh, their own order, their own rules, their own rigidity, uh, rigidity, rigid, rigid, rigid nature. Rigidity is a great <laughs> funk band. You didn't know they were in the 70s. Um, you know what I mean? That's what gets us, and that's what Star Wars is trying to tell us. That's why Palpatine's interested if you fudge the report and if you're willing to do that time and time again. Yeah, yeah. And, and to the, you know, justice for the Jedi point, I think that's what's, you know, powerful and interesting is is they know to fear fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know to fear people uh, who have fear. They know to fear uh people who are attached because if you lose a loved one that is a way that you lose control uh but their fear of that has become so great that they're alienating to this poor child who clearly needed nurturing right Mm -hmm. and and needed more help getting to the point where he could deal with his uh problems oh yeah i love going to episode one and just that look at his face with cold sir I miss my mom, a hole. <laughs> like, yeah, really read some parenting books, Jedi <laughs> Council. Uh, yeah. Before we, any other big uh, thoughts before we move on to how these uh, ideas and mortis reflect the larger story in uh, we, of Star Wars? We should probably, I'll just slide any unused notes into that conversation. <laughs> yeah, because there's just a ton going on uh, in terms of relating back to, to larger Star Wars. Uh, one of the big ones for me that really jumped out, because I, I think it is highlighted in the episodes again and again, is uh, what you were uh, referencing, what is communicated so clearly, so repeatedly in the rise of Skywalker of, you know, alone with friends. <laughs> we are not alone. Uh, Yoda saying to Ray, alone never have you been. This real idea that, you know, you fall to the dark side or you give up the fight, you give up hope when you feel isolated and alone. And then the truth is, you know, we're all connected. We're all stronger together. We can all lift one another up. And that is expressed in this these episodes. So uh, again and again, uh, very early on when they're in a strange place, they don't understand. Obi-Wan says, we'll be fine as long as we stay together. And then they're almost immediately split up. Yeah. <laughs> and when they are split up, Obi-Wan almost falls to his death, but he is rescued by Ahsoka. Like he is literally lifted up by being with someone else. And, and Obi-Wan, you know, immediately advocates to Anakin. of like, let's, uh, let's find another way around. We'll get back together. And Anakin's like, nah, bye. <laughs> yeah. We, same, same notes here. Cause it's that opening sequence, which has some, some, some banter to, to enjoy and dive into, but uh, this all begins with them separated from the Republic and even reality, right? They're, they're, their connection to that is broken. A Republic yeah. can't find them. And they're going into some weird monolith world. Uh, like you said, Anakin separated from Obi-Wan and Ahsoka and just all, all of them immediately more vulnerable not necessarily because of the rock falling, but because of what you just said of Anakin being like, yeah, 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 yeah. Stay. I, I, I got this. I'm really annoyed. I'm really annoyed at weird lady. I'm really annoyed. <laughs> walking away from me and I'm going to go get her. That's the problem. But that's where you break that connections. And often we are breaking our own connections. Again, Zori Bliss to Poe. It's like, you know, you, you, you're, you're almost making yourself alone here. Don't forget you are connected and seek out those connections and those connections will find you. That's, that's powerful Star Wars stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, Lando's message to Poe, we had we had each other. You know, that's how we did it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, can, I think that Rise of Skywalker is connected to the rest of Star Wars. That will destroy <laughs> a lot of my hate theories. <laughs> it's, it's uh, I think, relatively explicit. Always fine to dislike it, but I do think it's there. Um, yeah, and then it continues in, in uh, the second episode when the son uh, takes Ahsoka, which is a move <laughs> we're very familiar with. Oh, yeah, I want to break you. Um, I'll, I'll grab your loved one. Yep. Um, 
and Obi-Wan says to Anakin, this is what he wants to divide us. So again, Anakin kind of, or Obi-Wan rather being a little bit more steadfast and Anakin kind of always falling for it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He goes off to face the sun alone. Um, and then in contrast, Ahsoka and Obi-Wan keep kind of teaming up uh, to keep going after Anakin and kind of keep trying to bring him back into their circle of, of yeah. togetherness. And I feel like the, the way it resolves is that I do feel like that end and part of the reason that the father says, you know, you succeeded, you brought balance um, is it, it is eventually the, the the father and Anakin working together that uh, yeah. defeats the son. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think when Anakin does uh, put the lightsaber through him, I think this is totally up for debate. I, I think the reason that the father kind of portrays that as a victory is it feels like a Jedi defense thing of this is a sad thing that has to happen because mm-hmm. if the son escapes, he, he will corrupt all of reality. Mm-hmm. So uh, the father has made a mess. He needs Anakin's help cleaning it up. And this isn't a moment where Anakin is lashing out. It, this isn't a moment where he's like, I, I'm going to, the, the son hurt Ahsoka. I'm going to chop his head off. It's this sad perfunctory thing that he has to do. And he's doing it in alliance with the father. So I think even though it is violent, it is, you know, Mm -hmm. murdering this, this being, uh, from behind that there's this kind of bittersweet from the father's perspective of, but we, we did it with, um, clarity and not with anger. And we, we worked together to get to this outcome that we needed. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and this, uh, the, the father, gives the son all the chances in the world. I'm asking you again, do not do this up until the very end. <laughs> You're right. Just literally in the dialogue, literally there. Uh, and, and, and it, and it is, um, it is a bit of a, you know, all of this, again, all, a lot of these connects to other parts of Star Wars. You know, I'm seeing a lot of Emperor's throne room, return of the Jedi stuff here. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty clear. Uh, and so I, I love, um, even in this act, uh, you know, the, 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 the cries of the son, this doesn't have to be this way, something he says a lot. Again, this, this, these episodes have a lot to say about consequences or maybe unintended consequences of your choices, even with the father going, what did I do? I brought you here to control the situation. Now I've lost my daughter. Uh, the son doesn't intend to kill the daughter, but does. So in this moment, I'd love, I think it's a, it, it, it speaks to what you're saying about this kind of a, a, a tragic, a bittersweet uh, energy there of, um, I knew there was good in you, he says to his son, and and for Anakin to see that, whether or not he remembers it or chooses to remember it, up for debate, obviously, and, and, and a lot of the memories, of course, are wiped clean, but man, yeah, that it all speaks to the right move, what you have to do, it, re- it reminds me a lot of, 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 of Luke on Pilio, we go to a lot of, I, I killed those stormtroopers, because, uh, you know, <laughs> they gave me no choice, <laughs> I had to. <clears throat> yeah, and I and I think that that really goes to some of the stuff that that you were saying in in researching with Obi Wan and the dagger and the relationship with the daughter of you know I kind of put this in the category of uh, for me a uh, justice for the Jedi or mm-hmm. what is the perspective of the light side and Obi Wan being very steadfast on mm-hmm. I am never coming from a point of anger I'm coming from a point of responsibility I am the light is here to defend against the darkness when the darkness is out of control. And when Obi-Wan's making that kind of appeal to the daughter of like, you got to do something. And at first she's like, I shouldn't get involved. I shouldn't do anything. Like that's what the light side sometimes does of like, I might make matters worse. I shouldn't use my power. And Obi-Wan really having to push her and go like, no, the sun is out of control. This is, this is what we do. And I almost want to interpret it that, you know, she says to to Obi-Wan that, that she can't go down there, that 
that power yeah. to end them is not accessible to them. It has to be an other. And, you know, it feels very mythic, very sword and, you know, in the stone that only somebody like Obi-Wan could pull the dagger of Mortis because he is clear and pure in his conviction of this is for defense. Yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. Cause she's, he's pleading with the sister to get involved, but she cannot, you know, directly do it or so, so she feels and how that rep- represents a little bit of the light side cannot strike out in action, anger or with fear of the, of the, of the future and an effort to control her. Right. But that, that it must be done at times. I love what you're saying about Obi-Wan kind of being the one in this moment, um, taking nothing, Nothing against uh, Ahsoka, who, by the way, does a lot of things to save the day many times here, uh, yeah. including fixing the ship. Love that scene, too. But, yeah, uh, and how, um, you know, we like our boy, Obi-Wan. We like our boy. Complicated, drinks and all. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he's the right choice and, and represents that side of the light side, that version of the light side. He's uh, he's going to go out to the desert and and protect this, uh, this boy uh, because that is what is right and that is what he needs to do. Yeah, and we're going to see, I think, some more moral complexity from old Kenobi there. Um, I also just uh, want to be sure to mention, we've talked about it a couple times, but this idea of accepting what you can't control, Mm -hmm. the fact that it is made explicit that the father is dying, something's going to change, he's worried about that, so he sets off this uh, series of events by bringing Anakin there, and even says at one point, I wrote this line down, forgive me, daughter, I'm an old fool who believed he could control the future. So, you know, I think that's really powerful that, you know, these beings are fallible, right? I mean, yeah. kind of, that's what they explicitly say uh, is that we did used to exist in your temporal reality, yeah. but we were too powerful. So we're we're here doing our thing, keeping this conduit in balance. Uh, and uh, look, even gods are fallible. Even gods need uh, a way to be stopped so this dagger exists here yeah. uh, but there's just so much about this idea of um, ex- accepting what you can't control and, and even the father makes the same mistake that Anakin eventually does of trying to control something that he shouldn't or doesn't need to be mm. yeah absolutely absolutely and I, and I think there's some power the power of forgiveness pops up there and with Anakin faces guilt the father must maybe even forgive himself uh, for what he's done so that uh, that doesn't control him and he can move forward and do what's right with the son even though he's lost the daughter oh, that's a yeah that's a great insight and yeah the fact that the the son is presented as as human of like it, mm. it power he, he he is corrupted by the dark side he wants power he's mm. angry uh, but he does care about the daughter and the father and mourns them both is yeah mm. that that's yeah. really great stuff to point out yeah indeed what else? Uh, what else uh, do you have? Yeah, I love this idea of of, of hope. There's, uh, there's, there's. I don't know if you heard this. There's a thing called hope in Star Wars. It's pretty important. Now. <laughs> I love that Anakin's the one to say with a lot of passion. There's always hope. Slight Force theme even kind of appears. I do believe. Great kind of music. Anakin at the end of the second episode. Now the the daughter sacrifices what's left of her life force to save Ahsoka for sure, which also ties into rebels and birds and all these things uh, with Ahsoka. Um, Filoni will have a T-shirt explaining it all at the next convention. But Anakin, to me, and I, I even going through some of the notes to be clear that are out there on this episode, I love that Anakin gets to be this little conduit for what he wants to do with Padme, like bring save Mm -hmm. bring back life and it works for me my interpretation it works because anakin chooses hope it's not out of fear 
it, it, it's kind of this hopeful version of it. it's not darkness, it's not power, it's not control, attachment, or fear, not those not those trigger points for dark side. So he gets to essentially gets to help save Ahsoka here. That's why it works uh, for me a little bit. I, I may be dumbing it down a bit, but I love that moment and what it might represent for Anakin. Whether or not how much of this he mem- remembers or wants to remember or wants to engage with going on in his life. It's not like he says in Revenge of the Sith because obviously this episode comes out after, but I would have loved in Revenge of the Sith and Thursday Palpatine. I did that once on Mortis. Um, <laughs> but, but he does feel like he's just a conduit, he's, right? He's like a it's- conduit. Yeah, and this is a bit, to me, it's a big victory for the daughter and the connection between the daughter and Ahsoka is, is you know, probably there. I, I do believe that yeah. some of the stuff layered into her story later on. We'll talk about that in the canon section. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but you know what I mean? I just love, I love the image of it. I love, and it's like, almost like Anakin. It's like, yeah, you could be part of this kind of stuff going forward. Not necessarily going to bring Padme back to life, but saving life, creating life, whatever. The light side's about uh, that, not a dark side's about destroying it. This is the light side version of what might, Palpatine might be trying to sell to you later on. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right to point that out. It's really beautiful. And I think the way it's constructed, it is about, it's about Ahsoka and it is about mm-hmm. saving Ahsoka. It isn't about his pain. Like, you know, that's what's, yep. you know, powerful about Revenge of the Seth. It's Sith, Revenge of the Seth. I don't know what that uh, sitcom is. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Uh, <laughs> when, when Anakin says, when he's trying to choose between Mace and Palpatine, he's like, I can't lose her. I, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it is... Obviously, he does love Padme, but he has become so caught up in himself and in his own pain. It's the, if she died, I would be in so much pain. And that's yeah. not present here. This is just about Ahsoka. Do you think there's any direct uh, intended or otherwise direct parallels between that and, and the, uh, the the arena fight the, at, the, at the end of uh, episode one of this arc? Where I, I kind of see as Anakin must choose between the past and the future with Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, right? Your master, which represents a lot of your past, your future is this apprentice and what you might do. But just it, it, he being in that spot with Mace and, and Palpatine, not that he could have maybe found a way to save both of them, right? Like, but he makes this choice to, he must control one. And that, 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 that choice he makes is, to, is this fear of losing Padme. I just like seeing this version here, this version here of, of actual balance is he gets the light in the dark to, to, to work to both sides. I don't know. I'm not necessarily saying it's direct, but it's just, it makes me think of the same kind of choice he had to make. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the power of it is, is showing like, you know, he, Anakin is this metaphor for all of us. If we all have light and dark and, you know, mm-hmm. in this mythic story, he, he truly is powerful in both and can contain them both um, and, and bring them to their knees. But yeah, we, we absolutely get that where, where Obi-Wan's like, we'll save her for, of course, <laughs> I'm the old generation. Let me go. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, that uh, there is a healthy, I think a healthier perspective of, yeah. you know, uh, life and uh, death and rebirth there from from Obi Wan and Anakin just like nope not losing either yeah 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 like yeah. yeah I think uh, final thing for me is just obviously choice is a, a big theme in Star Wars and you know most storytelling uh, but in particular with this um, even with the vision of everything that we know is is going to happen. You know, maybe that's the most likely future that they can see in this place where uh, temporal laws are not the same. Um, but that idea that Anakin could still make different choices. So, you know, we often have the discussion that he does fulfill the prophecy of yeah. the chosen one eventually. But I am of the opinion that he could have uh, fulfilled it earlier without falling to the dark side. And I think that's what's kind mm-hmm. of going on is the the father and Qui-Gon are, are hoping like, we know you're going to fulfill this one way or another, 
but there's a much better path <laughs> yeah to fulfilling it if you know yourself and and you you can still just make those big the, the, you're caught up in this big mythic prophecy destiny fate thing uh but you can just make these simple human choices for yourself you can always make mm-hmm. a different choice and I, you know it's i think it's there in some of those father's last words to anakin of just like just remember this is about you choosing to be the best person you can yeah yeah no i i think of the the son twice screaming out uh it doesn't have to be this way like it, I, I i want him to yell that at anakin at many points in his life in the next few years <laughs> it really doesn't have to be this way anakin uh that's it for me any other thoughts from you before we take a break no i mean we definitely touch on thing uh, you know there's a lot of things that that are, are there Star Wars comment and uh, uh, Star Wars commenting on uh, control being sold as peace? We've talked a lot of, up there, but just some patience versus passion. Uh, uh, you know, passion not mean a bad thing, but just uh, as it relates to Anakin and, and uh, fear based uh, kind of uh, passion. Uh, all, all kinds of things. I think we could go on and on and on. Uh, um, but uh, let's go to comedy. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> We will take a quick break, and then we're going to talk some action moments, some comedy moments, and we're going to talk some canon connections and probably have even more room there (laughs) to go deep on some of those lore connections. We are going to be right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. 
Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 <laughs> And we are back to continue our discussion about the great Mortis arc of the Clone Wars. We always like to talk the big stuff, but we also like to talk some of the fun and thrilling stuff. It's a very uh, exciting and, and spiritual arc, right? But there is still some moments of action. So, Ken, did you have favorite action moments in the Mortis arc? Yeah, uh, right from the beginning, it's it's a small, subtle action, but it's it's pretty darn intimidating and cool when the sun just turns off their lightsabers. Let's uh, <laughs> meet them there. I think it's what Ahsoka and, and, and uh, Obi Wan, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and even uh, even the the father kind of pushing Anakin's uh, lightsaber back into the hilt. Uh, cool, subtle actions of wow, you're all pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, that was a one of the first ones I wrote down is the father just pushing Anakin's lightsaber back because it's mm-hmm. one thing for the son to turn them off, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's another to be like, this doesn't even hurt me. Let's just put that away. <laughs> um, uh, this is barely an action moment, but I love when that split second where uh, Shmi flashes into the gargoyle. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's cool. It, it's an action moment in that it, it made me jump uh, the first yeah. time I saw it. Yeah. Um, also in that first episode, you know, there's when Anakin is besting the son and daughter, mm-hmm. uh, when he screams, on your knees. <laughs> yeah. And, and like it's like, okay, you, you, you beat him. You beat him, Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, it's, a, it's an action moment where he's like uh, maybe tapping into the old dark side a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I like I like even uh, um, it, it, Kenobi yelling, "Anakin, the planet is the Force. Use it!" And just him tapping into it. it, it the the double push, a Griffin and a gargoyle go flying. It's it's a uh, it's uh, Star <laughs> Wars cool. Yeah, absolutely great. Um, and then uh, for me, in in later episodes, uh. The disease dark side Ahsoka is disturbing, but also damn fun, right? Um, yeah. To see her just uh, attacking Anakin uh, so viciously and to see Anakin fighting in such a defensive way, which we don't see as often, right? Yeah. Um, 
in including, I think my favorite, just that's cool action moment is uh, once Obi-Wan has joined the fight and Anakin force pushes Ahsoka away and she drags both of her lightsabers. That's so cool. I wrote it. Yeah. Ahsoka blades in the ground. Yeah. I love it. Uh, And I see the whole sequence too, just kind of connecting a little bit again, not everything's super one-to-one or super, super intentional, but it's definitely, I think it's safe to say somewhat intentional, all this stuff, but Ahsoka just having these lines of almost, almost what Vader's saying to Obi-Wan in episode four of just like, you know, now the the, the teacher's going to kill them. The uh, student's going to kill the master. Like apprentice is going to kill the ma- Like it, it, it's 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 got those vibes of hey, this is going to happen to you, Anakin, because you're going to let that disease spread. So it's just kind of a, a cool fight because of what what hangs in the balance there. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, I also like the fight between the son and the daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a moment she she mostly gets you know overcome. I think by the uh, the the vileness of the mm-hmm. the dark side. But there's a moment where she's holding her own and when there are so many philosophical ideas about how does this fight work between the dark and the light, there's some just like real great light side moments where he is shooting these uh, little discreet lightning blasts and she's just like batting them away and then gathering them up and throwing them back. And like that's it's just kind of like this is the language of, of defensive fighting. Uh, Totally. I love the sequence. And and one of the little favorite things I love about it is up until then, the daughter's, uh, you know, very angelic, ethereal, and and this flowing robe. Her hair moves and floating, and and uh, a beautiful creature, and all these things. You see her in that light, and the moment it starts to click in, she kind of moves in position, and that robe kind of gives way, and it's like, oh, you got some fighting gear on. <laughs> oh, you've always been ready. Okay, got it. And I love, and it's just, it's almost like a little. I mean, Scarlet Witch is in the uh, pop culture uh, forefront these days, right? But it's, yeah, it's the, some of the movement. I'm like, oh man, that's scary. Even the son kind of has a look where he's like, oh. I did it. God, got it. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Here comes the light side. Yeah. 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 Uh, any other action moments for you? Uh, no, I do. Uh, there, there's a couple cool flying moves with that ship, uh, with Anakin. And I do like when they crash, there's, it's just a, it's action, but always just, it's a, it's talk about trust where it's like, um, Obi-Wan doesn't trust that Anakin saw the tower. And so the trust breaks down and that's why they crash. So I love action having a little point there. Yeah, no, you're right. That that is a really great sequence of just the Anakin, uh, just not letting, willing, willing to let Ahsoka go, and just zipping after you know yeah. a, a gargoyle bat, dark side creature through the mists. With Obi Wan is always being worried about Anakin's flying. Yeah, and the final one, you almost could put it in the comedy there, but I love that they take uh, from what I think the trivia gallery showed was an early design for the speeder bikes, Return of the Jedi, and these little Jedi scooters. And I love that the fate of the galaxy may very well be in the balance. And we have scooters putting around trying to get to places. I love that. And I, I love like that they just kind of fold out like uh, yeah. lawn chairs you bring for an outdoor movie. There's something so not epic about it. Yeah. That's great. It's so practical. Like this, yeah. uh, this arc is so spiritual. And like, yeah, in order to fit these uh, speeders on this uh, shuttle, uh, we got to fold them out first. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. Last thing for me is it's a very uh, small moment because there are so many like the, the other lightsabers are not the the powerhouse of this world and they keep trying them. And when Anakin fights the sun and uh, the sun actually blocks the lightsaber just with his wrists. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's that's pretty cool. All right. Let's move on to moments of uh, comedy and whimsy and weirdness because there are plenty there. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw this one out, Ken, and, and see what your emotional reaction was. The first one I wrote down was just the words I... I don't understand, which Anakin and Obi-Wan say a lot. 
and it just like I think for me it, it works because they are trying to understand yeah. uh, a world that feels similar but not the same different rules mm-hmm. mystical weird mystical things being said to them weird half truths uh, but I almost feel sometimes like they are the uh, the audience too of like oh yeah no I won't know what's going on no you lost me on that line of dialogue what does that mean <laughs> yeah no I I I love it. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of good Kenobi snark all the way through here, uh, all through three episodes. But that beginning, you touched touch upon it up top, and in the first half of the show, and there's a lot to dive into. But just the comedy, the beats. Uh, again, I wrote down the the one what, and then Anakin kind of like glad she cleared that up for us. Just a lot of things. <laughs> I think even Soak has a line about the father. Oh yeah, the father. I mean, there's just a lot there. Even Obi Wan, you know, uh, Obi Wan has that kind of like hello, like. Comet, Obi-Wan. You know, I know you're a, a, a you know, a Jedi with urges. Calm down. Like every, the whole opening sequence is just them just being knocked off their uh, senses here. Yeah, no, that was the next one I wrote down is uh, Obi-Wan sees the daughter and says, hello. I mean, the delivery is not uh, the, the choice by the actor, the direction. The there is implied. Hello yeah. there. I didn't, uh, I didn't even think that he doesn't even get the there out. <laughs> he just can't even make it out it's uh, contained in the hello because it's such a big yeah. hello where he's just like fascinated to see this yeah you know uh i don't know there's something to me that's like it's kind of funny because it is sort of like you're in a weird mystical place are, are you flirting uh with the translucent yeah. glowing goddess like Obi-Wan? Seven, yeah seven foot tall i think i looked at their measurements <laughs> they're they're about seven feet tall seven two seven one they're big creatures there right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but there is also this just like is it obi-wan just like sensing like she is absolutely of the light side this is great love it mm, yeah yeah <laughs> you know look he's he's a man who enjoys the drink in the bar so obi-wan curb those urges and get to the real serious stuff here. yeah satine he, he's got uh an attraction to satine she yeah. sees who he really is he flirts with ventures but that's just a tactic during <laughs> lightsaber fights and then this is like hello yeah. glowing yeah glowing female form of the light side um another thing that that i really liked is uh anakin's lightsaber igniting right next to the father's face and the father just says cannot sleep <laughs> yeah oh and I, I love that anakin's got a blanket unlike Disney. there's the difference jedi Sith, blankets blankets yep blankies are the way mm-hmm. um uh, another one for me is it, it is rare that some of the best comedy for me uh, comes in the actual uh, opening newsreel uh, announcement. But I love at the end of the summary, uh, well, the newsreel opening for the second episode. So mm-hmm. the first episode has happened. And that one concludes uh, with the wonderful Tom Kane saying, now we find our heroes about to depart for their journey home. Or so they think. <laughs> it's just so classic, like um, yeah. adventure serial newsreel type uh, announcement. Uh, but it's also that it speaks to the odd structure of this arc where each episode does resolve and then they get pulled back in. Yeah, no, it really does. And, uh, you know, as you found it hard, to, you know, despite best efforts to, to shorten your summary of these episodes, I love that these three newsreels, particularly episodes two and three, are the longest I think I can remember. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because a lot of stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with that? Yeah, Tom K got in the booth and was like, all of it? Okay, all of it. All right. That's all right. right. Yeah, I'm sure you'll edit some of it out later. No? All right. All right. <laughs> um, any, uh, I got a few more, but I want to bat it back to you. Uh, yeah, there's a little, uh, some beats there. Um, 
when uh, Ahsoka is kidnapped by the Sud and then the door closes and Anakin op- opens up and Kenobi's just like, what's going on? Like, there's a, she got kidnapped. Do you not hear any of that? Like, she's that. <laughs> and then uh, when they, when Kenobi, when they're on the ground and uh, they see the tower off in the distance, the monastery, I think it's obvious where he took her. Just great, great one, Obi-Wan. Great one. It's, a, it's good Obi-Wan snark. Uh, I, I did like... Uh, Obi-Wan or Anakin's pushback when Obi-Wan is like, I wasn't sure if you saw it. <laughs> it was a giant tower. Of course I saw it. Yeah. A little bit. When there, Ahsoka says, uh, the ship's gone. Nakobi says, I see that. <laughs> they all got to uh, get along. They all got to get along here. They got to try to get along. Uh, another one for me from the sun. It's a dark line, but it was delivered with some comedy uh, talking about his father. He is just so selfish and was taking too long to die. So I decided to move things along. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The father, uh, the father's got a great line at one point where he's like, uh, Oh gosh, I wrote it down. Uh, uh, Oh yeah. I'm not dead yet. Just real simple. Yeah. I'm not dead yet. Yeah. But I, I, I just love that idea mm-hmm. of like the son is like, yes, no, I know him, but light, dark balance. It's natural that he dies. Hurry up. Hurry up. <laughs> and also like, yeah. Uh, uh, that classic uh, uh, dark side thing of uh, I didn't make these choices. He wasn't going to die. So I had to kill him. He was rudely not dying. <laughs> uh, another one for me is uh, Ahsoka saying, well, you want the bad news or the really bad news? Yeah. And Obi-Wan saying, let's try the bad news laced with a little optimism. <laughs> yes. Uh, and his follow up of uh, sounds terribly downbeat. uh i got one more how many more do you have that's it for me i mean there's there's a lot of wonderful little beats all the way through so to be clear uh yeah this one is sort of a comic there's a comic delivery to it but it's an important idea it's when i think we kind of glazed over a little bit as we're talking because it's it's Mm -hmm. uh about all the big themes and ideas because it's something that pops up in in uh dark side manipulations all the time like we have many variations of the join me speech and the join me is never. And then together we'll rage in our darkness and we'll kill everybody. It's always join me. We'll take out this one problem and then we'll bring peace. Like that's right. always the manipulation, right? Totally. And there's almost a delivery that acknowledges that manipulations uh, repetition, right? Mm-hmm. Because after Anakin's shown that horrible vision, he's in, in horrible pain and the, the son gives him the join me. We'll take care of it pitch. And Anakin says, will we bring peace? And just the way the son delivers, of course, it's it's like he's running out of patience to finish lying to Anakin, right? <laughs> like, have you not read this before? Have you not seen this before? Yeah, we we always say it'll bring peace. Just come on, man. We we both know we're lying. Let's let's just get through the lie. <laughs> let's do this. Come on. Will we bring peace? Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah, there's there's some some great uh, in dark comedy there for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on then to uh, canon lore connections to other stories. There's uh, a lot here, um, so we can kind of pick and choose. Um, there are so many just one-line quotes that are either uh, poetic repetitions or evoke other quotes, uh, like the join me speeches. Uh, the Anakin always on the move is when Obi Wan is just like that's clearly a phrase he says to himself. You know, I didn't write all those down, Ken, because yeah. there are just so many of them. But if there are any that you wanted to highlight, um, feel uh, free. There was a couple times because you know Whitworth hadn't uh, taken over, done Palpatine yet in a, in a major way, unless there's some video game or something. I, I'm uh, just- you mean Maul? 
No, no, uh, Palpatine, because he eventually does. Oh. Uh, he takes right. He takes over at one point um, for uh, Ian Abercrombie, or I think he does it in Rebels, right? Until, he does it in Rebels. Yeah, until, yeah. So we're, we're years away, but but here we're a couple times pulls in that Palpatine tone, much like almost like what you're just saying of like, yeah, we're repeating some of the same stuff here. Like this is this should feel familiar to you. It's this evil might just have one face at this point, even though the son literally transforms his face into many different creatures. But, you know, I just loved a lot of those moments because it just made me think of of a lot of the other moments forthcoming with Palpatine and, and Anakin. Yeah, I think for me, I, I you definitely right to point that out because he does a great Palpatine in, in Rebels. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Tim Curry who steps in for Ian Abercrombie in the Clone Wars. Um, but yeah, but there's definitely like some moments where the sun sounds totally unique, and then there's some moments where it is the pre mall mm-hmm. of you know some of obviously uh, where it builds on Peter Serafinowicz mm-hmm. performance, but you know adds some unique kind of twists, and it's fun to hear a little bit of those hints in the sun's right. voice, right? Uh, yeah, and I know he's done many other voices in Star Wars as well. Yeah. Um, so going through some of this, uh, Crylithium system, uh, which is where they, the coordinates they head to, is far beyond the outer rim in wild space. And I did look that up on Wikipedia, and this is its one appearance. So mm-hmm. not uh, other lore to talk about there, which is sometimes a relief. <laughs> yeah, well, it ter- turns out you don't know that, Joseph, but Thrawn opens up a bed and breakfast there. And, <laughs> and Thrawn um, naps and snacks. It's the new oh yeah, no, they go to cozy crylithium system. Yeah, yep. absolutely, I can see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, this is one I wanted to be sure to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mortis figures pretty consistently refer to the universe. Obi Wan acknowledges the possibility of other galaxies. Of saying, I don't know if we're even in our galaxy. Yeah, right. So, uh, in, in every once in a while, the universe gets gets used interchangeably the same way. You know, characters almost always say blaster, but every once in a while, you get a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same with, it's usually galaxies, sometimes universe. This seems a little bit more concrete of like these mortis beings being like, yeah, no, I mean, we're aware of your galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there are others. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the universe. We're talking about all of it. Um, did you read that the same? And what do you think about that? I, I I can read it the same. I think sometimes I'm caught up in the moment. I I, I don't think that um, again. They might just, might be talking about the Chiss ascendancy, but uh, no. I think I think it's interesting because that that because I'm joking up top, but also just this question of uh, you know when the father says few still know of our existence, and I'm like who 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 Porter Engel like who who know Elzar Man, but like Teresa Nube, Teresa Nube, yeah yeah. Uh, or I even I even I'm suspicious of Yoda when there's that in the new first newsreel and they're like uh, a beacon not heard for two thousand years and Yoda's just kind of like, gosh, I hope it's not Mortis. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, uh, I'm joking, of course, there, but like, yeah, I'm open to that in the sense that I don't necessarily feel I need as a Star Wars fan I need to explore it uh, any anymore. But it it because uh, then next you know we're on the bridge of uh, like some ship from Battlestar Galactica going to Earth or something. But uh, uh, I, 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 I love, I also love almost from a comic standpoint of, of this is uh, the chosen one from this galaxy, but is there another chosen one or Anakin for all of it? And you got to go visit other lands. I don't know. It's an interesting thought, but I like it because then it kind of makes sense for me of just a uh, few still know of our existence. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I think, you know, the few still know of our existence, I can even kind of take as, even the myths of them have passed and, and there's the, the, the stories are so old and so in doubt to their veracity, like that Yoda is aware of the myth of the Mortis beings, but he's not like, oh, of course, younglings, here's the uh, essay yeah. on Mortis because it's for sure real. 
right <laughs> and here's how it works like it's lost to time right um so i like that idea i think i'm really interested in the universe idea because there's something about star wars that you know i understand it's it's this galaxy and this galaxy is huge and expansive and it has wild space that isn't fully explored and it has the unknown regions that more can be discovered uh but sort of like it feels very Star Wars to me that like however big you think the map is, there's more beyond it. That feels to me for my personal fandom within the spirit of Star Wars. It doesn't feel super sci-fi. So I, I feel like, you know, as long as it didn't get to, yeah, like and and then one more galaxy over is ours. Right, right. <laughs> and here are some Jedi fighting on Mars. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't want to bring it. Yeah, I don't want that science fiction perspective that brings it out of out of space fantasy into Yes. And it turns out Jedi are the ones who started NASA. Like, you know, I don't want that yeah. at all. But this idea to me that if you wanted a little bit of a fresh slate of just saying these movies take place in another galaxy and, you know, maybe what the force is everywhere. And, you know, maybe if there's, you know, ups and downs in the force, it's felt throughout the universe. But like, let's just take some of these same ideas and let's explore them in a different way and just say it's in a different galaxy. Mm. I, I know that's real controversial and I yeah. understand that. But for me, I, I don't find a problem with that because it's in that spirit of uh, there can always be more. There can always be more. I, no, I, I like it. I, 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 I totally can get behind that spirit. And as long as it starts with, we go to Mortis and the father turns and says, there can always be more. And he starts taking us to another story <laughs> a long time ago in a galaxy slightly to the left of the yeah. galaxy you know i understand many fears many fears about that one so i'll let it go um wanted to touch briefly on the return of qui-gon uh he appears to obi-wan and asks if he's trained anakin or he'll catch up there and uh, uh qui-gon does just explicitly say to anakin uh, I can tell you what I believe. I believe you will bring balance to the force, that you will face your demons and save the universe. Again, requesting that that is a, a part of the path, that he, he must face his demons in order to save uh, the universe. Uh, so a couple things here that I wanted to ask your opinion on, mm -hmm. Ken, is um, first, uh, uh, actually one more bit of information before I can ask you this question. Yeah. I remember this bit of dialogue, so I went and looked it up from the season six episode, Voices, uh, Yoda's really troubled because he's hearing Qui-Gon and yeah. he thinks that can't be. Uh, so he talks to Anakin about it and says, uh, didn't, didn't you say that Qui-Gon appeared to you in Mortis? Um, and Anakin basically says, yeah, he appears to me in Obi-Wan. And then here's direct quote. However, since he's dead, we don't think it's actually him rather an illusion, a mind trick formed out of our memories. That's what Obi-Wan believes. Mm. So that's what Obi-Wan is, or that's what Anakin is saying to Yoda. We, of course, uh, as fans, get to know the whole story that Qui-Gon did discover how to uh, keep his identity within the Force. So all of this is to ask, what do you believe about Qui-Gon in these episodes? Do you think that is Qui-Gon? I, I don't, I, yeah, I, 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 I think I'm going to say I don't think it is. But also, upon repeat viewings, particularly when he shows up to... Anakin, it does kind of have that vibe of of he's breaking through and you won't even believe it. In fact, Yoda's gonna tell Obi-Wan in Revenge of the Sith, and Obi-Wan's gonna be like, What? You know, again, I know the episodes came out after, but what do you mean, Qui-Gon? You know, like it, almost like he couldn't believe it in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can get behind that because I think I just I have such a love for Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon breaking through. And and you know, by the way, the father disappears into the force where the son and the daughter don't right so mm -hmm. there's something there there's something some comment on that for me there too so i think i could get behind the idea that it is actually quite gone there's something i also like of 
the planet, the sun, whatever, pulling in those doubts and those fears and things we were talking about earlier. Uh, I like that it's there. But again, even if it is Qui-Gon, he could unintentionally represent doubt and fear just by showing up and haunting Obi-Wan, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I lean toward, uh, I love everything you're saying. It helps me think through uh, what I think. I, I lean toward it is Qui-Gon, mm-hmm. and, and that's part of what makes it, it kind of fascinating because Shmi is a clear manipulation of yeah. uh, the sun, right? Yeah. Um, Ahsoka's vision of her future self is really preying directly on her, our fears of like, you won't become me unless you leave that guy, you know? Right. Um, so that seems like more like us, the, the sun, just the power of Mortis speaking to her. Uh, but, you know, Qui-Gon says that stuff about how, how Mortis is, you know, a magnet and an amplifier, right? Mm-hmm. So that he can fully appear because it's the power of Mortis and uh, Obi-Wan doesn't need to train yet because they're in a place that is of so of the force that he can just appear so like on that sort of like as much as we get sort of a rule based on the spiritual stuff which I don't need to be too rule obsessed with but yeah that that to me kind of works and I really feel like when he appears to Anakin he's quite sincere Mm -hmm. and when he appears to Obi-Wan he is he's asking questions and the the honest questions that he's asking Obi-Wan is I think opening a door to doubt to Obi-Wan. But it feels different to me than a spirit who's like, my only goal is to dig in and twist. Yeah. He's just asking questions mm. and Obi-Wan's honest answers are reason for doubt. I I, I, I I agree with you on that. And 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 then when you take in factor in this idea that, you know, Bane and and um and what's his hump over there over evil guy number seven? I forget. <laughs> Darth uh, Revan hump. Revan, Revan hump. Uh, you know, they, they might have been there. And then George makes that phone call later going, nah, no, that wouldn't be right. The Sith, uh, you know, the, the Sith just wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be at that party. It makes sense that Qui-Gon would. Completely makes sense that Qui-Gon would. So, you know, George and team are going to think that over. And I'm not saying I'm just looking at those tea leaves to get an exact answer, but when factoring in, they, 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 they don't go out of their way to say it is a vision, you know, no, the sun's voice doesn't appear through it. Like Shmi, uh, even future Ahsoka just kind of has that, uh, you know, a little off kilter vibe to me, uh, in a delicious fun way. It's a great moment in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I, I think they would have thought that over and over and over and, and, Leave it up to us to decide a little bit, but also it's okay. And, and if you come to that conclusion that it is Qui-Gon, you're not going to upset the rules of the force there like uh, Bane and Revan were. Yeah, exactly. And, and I feel like for me, that moment in Voices that really clarifies like, that Anakin and Obi-Wan saw Qui-Gon, but they believe that it's utterly impossible for anybody to retain their identity. So it yeah. had to be some trick of of yeah. Mortis is a good way to to preserve Yoda's journey that we're about to go through in those episodes, but also Obi-Wan's sort of uh, shock and a little bit of joy there at the end of Revenge of the Sith uh, yeah. that he can commune with Qui-Gon. It, it also means we're going to get a conversation in, in the Kenobi show where Qui-Gon's like, that was me the whole time. You thought, what? <laughs> yes, uh, if, if uh, that would be great if this is the first time he appears uh, to Obi-Wan. is like, was that really you and Mortis? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good way to to draw in people who haven't watched the, the Clone Wars. If uh, <laughs> yeah. Obi Wan and Qui Gon just start rapping about uh, Mortis, that's that's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I just want to ask you quickly about this quote of Qui Gon to Anakin. Uh, I can tell you what I believe. I believe you will bring balance to the Force. That you will face your demons and save the universe. How do you take that? That Qui Gon sees the possibility that it is going to happen as we uh, perceive it. It doesn't happen until after the fall, or is he hoping that it will happen? without Anakin falling. 
oh, I think he absolutely has to hope that it happens without him falling, right? And then and this whole lesson of choices and unwritten future. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Qui-Gon's going to approach it with all the hope he can. And, and clearly he can't see, you know, he can't see the actual future here, right? I don't, I don't believe so. But yeah, so hope. I'm always going to choose hope with Qui-Gon. Yeah, I, I feel like the the much like in Mortis, like the rules of time mm-hmm. are, are different to, you know, the these spirits that we can only ever that we can't truly fully understand because they're on this different level of reality, right? And mm-hmm. I, I for my own headcanon kinda like this idea that they see all these possibilities, you know? Yeah. And and Qui-Gon is really directing him to don't choose that path. Face your demons so you don't choose that path and i believe that you can well yeah well yeah again 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 without saying without going hey so i know what's i know what happens maybe you don't do that (laughs) i've read the choose your own adventure of your life anakin in uh one of these chapters is really dark (laughs) yeah it's 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 the anti-doctor strange it's not that he sees the one future that uh, we need to destroy thanos he's like there's one that we shouldn't do do the this one that's be really rough, really rough for the galaxy. Uh, okay, any other thoughts on Qui-Gon before we move on? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, we already talked quite a bit here about uh, the sun appearing as Shmi, played by Pernilla August. That's great. Uh, the one thing I jotted down is that nothing ever really dies, my son. That was really cool mm-hmm. to hear a sort of um, uh, no one's ever really gone, an early version of that quote that has come to be you know, a succinct way to talk about a Star Wars idea. Yeah. Uh, anything else about Shmi's appearance that you wanted to talk about? Again, just good to just, just the actual having the character show up and Pernilla August playing it, which was just as exciting and as, and as important as Liam Neeson showing up. And, and again, this time frame of 2011, you're, you're in a very fresh post prequel world, though we're 11 years or so removed from Phantom Menace. And, it's easy for us to go now. Oh, that made me, that's so fun. But back then that was still kind of brave and it was still kind of uh, a, a bold choice to be like, we are, no, we are living and playing with those, those movies that you are still debating. <laughs> yes, and, and exactly. Still, yeah. Celebrate this character. And, and as the generation who watched those as kids is getting a little bit older in 2011 or, you know, rewarding their love of those films. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we see uh, Ahsoka's future self, uh, not Rosario Dawson yet. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, a couple of the things she says, uh, I am your future, your potential. Uh, there are many contradictions in you. You may never see your future if you remain his student. Uh, make some comparisons also to Ahsoka being in Anakin dealing with uh, similar uh, weaknesses. Uh, I take that to mean like th- they have this wonderful trait of compassion, uh, but that can be twisted right mm-hmm. uh any thoughts on uh, now that we've actually it, it's so great to watch this from so long ago yeah. and now we're just about to get ahsoka's whole you know series yeah. <laughs> where she is kind of getting to the age of uh, this uh, mm-hmm. that this vision is representing potentially any thoughts on this or, or any emotional reactions it, well emotional reactions in the sense of yes yeah, especially again when we see this episode if you're watching it in 2011 or when you discovered it uh what 2014 you said uh mm-hmm. so much more ahsoka content to come and so i i thought about a lot of even while they were f- fighting and she was under the, the the kind of control of the sun there the disease of the dark side i thought a lot about that uh, rebel season two stuff and, and the fights that are forthcoming and just because um yeah it, it, it kind of makes you sad and as a star wars fan it's also kind of cool and fun and you know it's forth forthcoming too but like it just it, as a character it makes me it made me feel um sad and and uh you, you want a different way for both anakin and ahsoka yeah yeah i mean it is bittersweet that 
in some ways, I think the older Ahsoka ends up being right. I think there is a little yeah. bit of like preying on fears mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, I think trying to like make Ahsoka kind of feel alone and just step away from your master and be alone. Uh, but mm-hmm. then there's this kernel of truth of in order for Ahsoka to truly find her definition of Jedi, she has to walk away, not just from Anakin, but all of the Jedi. Yeah. 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 And honestly, for me, back in 2014, uh, you know, I had managed to uh, plug my ears and avoid things. And I didn't know Ahsoka's fate. And it was one of the things like, all right, so does she die? (laughs) How do they do this? Uh, So it's it's nice for me to see older Ahsoka, a vision of potential older Ahsoka, knowing that uh, she actually is going to get older. That's great. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, continuing with the, the with Ahsoka thing. So uh, Moray, the Convor, is not featured in this arc at all, mm-hmm. um, which I sometimes forget. Uh, but later in Rebels, there is artwork uh, that ties the Mortis beans and specifically the daughter to this image of Moray, the Convor. And then the Moray, the Convor, keeps appearing at significant moments uh, in Ahsoka's life as though she is uh, some kind of guardian. Um, so keeping this connection between Ahsoka, who has some of the life force of the daughter, uh, and uh, keeping that connection alive uh, through this uh, strange little uh, Star Wars owl. Mm. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like that is uh, hints to Ahsoka's ultimate fate? Why do you think that on working on Rebels, Filoni wanted to go back to this arc and say there's this connection and here's a physical representation of it? Yeah, I... I, I... I want to see it. I'd like to see it explore more. I don't necessarily know if, you know, we ever need to go back or we'll go back to Mortis or Ahsoka ends up there. You know, we need some more force wheelers. I don't see that. I just, there's some comfort in it. And there's some just acknowledgement that this existed. Going back to our question of what was real, what was imagined and uh, whatnot. It, it makes me, this is why I want uh, those to have actually been real people uh, or creatures or uh, uh, beans, um, and and it adds it adds something uh, uh, it adds something sweet uh, to the sacrifice of the daughter and to the story of Ahsoka going forward. Yeah, and to the just yeah. the power of light side and signifying yeah. Ahsoka is a real agent of the light. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I really like this too, and it is one of the things that makes me feel like yeah, uh, you can interpret it as a vision, and it's rewarding in that way. But it is also feels like it was real, mm-hmm. and also. Um, Really rewatching it, you know, I have been on the, yeah, Ahsoka's going to end up in Mortis, but I, I like this idea that Mortis exists. It is a place rich in the force, but they left it in in a in balance, a kind of sad balance because it's yeah. back in balance because it's just the natural yeah. uh, conduit <laughs> and all the beans were wiped out. Uh, so I wonder more about is Ahsoka, because of this connection to the daughter, because of the, Ahsoka's different path and her connection to the light side, if whatever these beings are that grew kind of too powerful to even be in our reality. Mm. Uh, if Ahsoka is almost more going to like ascend to that level and she must go somewhere like Mortis because that's where someone as powerful as her should exist. Yeah. I, that's yeah. It's such a lonely exist. I can't, I, I agree with Anakin deciding not to stay. I just can't imagine that. Yeah. I almost but it's okay. She's going to be with Ezra and Grogu. So she'll be this, fine. Oh, you're so right. That's the final episode of Ahsoka, the live action series. Yeah. 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 But I, I could see that I, again with the world between world stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, that would, uh, I, I think would have great meaning to have a little bit more, a little bit more with Ahsoka and to see someone so pure of, of, of heart, someone who represented just kind of the, the pure nature of the Jedi or what they could be and should be. Uh, I like that a lot. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, in in the not as deep realm for canon connections, uh, I, I do really like that the uh, a, a arena in the back of the monastery it really evokes the Octo Temple in its um, mm-hmm. design, all the circular stuff. It also evokes uh, Tython. Obviously, we've seen a bunch of other Jedi temples that are generally have symmetry, mm-hmm. but there's a lot there that just made me feel like that's eh, cool to see this connection to things that hadn't even been made yet. Um, when the arena goes cosmic, when Anakin uses both sides, that really evokes, you know, world between worlds, which is, of course, not surprising since they're built with that connection. But it, for me, that was just really fun to see some of these real aesthetic connections to these other force powerful places. Uh, did you? How did you feel about that? Um, it, 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 I, I like it a lot, uh, I, and 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 it, it makes me want to see uh, uh, Palpatine's great search for uh, holy lands in Star Wars. Kind of, uh, can we get a Disney Plus short film or or, or one off film? Oh yeah, yeah. His uh, his uh, one person corruption tour. Yeah, where yeah. He goes to places. And I, and, yeah, and I don't want to see him succeed in this, of course. There, but uh, uh, I I'm more open to the stuff. I I think um, cause I really love the world between worlds stuff too. But just in these these um, these new uh, first temples and and Tython, like you said, all the stuff. It it's uh, I, I it makes me want to visit them more and more, especially in High Republic or see them in action mm. and learn more about them and just see it all connected and uh, things you don't think about often in, in the PP world of Star Wars for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going back to places, uh, how did you feel about the fact that, well, the dark side is, it, it's, that's just Mustafar, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, down to, I think some of the design elements from the film are in, like they, they put them in, in those shots. Yeah, is that okay for you? That that's just like yeah. this is this is the uh, this is the metaphor of what Anakin is dealing with is this yeah. roiling explosive lava. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely, it works for me. Uh, it works for me a lot of levels. It makes me appreciate Mustafar even more. It's one of my favorite locations in Star Wars. Is you start to the way you can use it and play around with it and what it represents. So no, yeah, there and it connects to the you know the, the original designs of, uh, um, you know, yeah, you know, it'd be like a. Uh, uh, um, the, the the original Coruscant uh, temple with Palpatine underneath it from Macquarie's yes. Like I, I just love that. It just it just feels like Star Wars to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of lines. I did write down some more lines where they are connecting to a repetition of other lines, but but uh, trying to keep uh, <laughs> keep our episode uh, within reasonable constraints. So um, you brought up how Anakin does actually, you know, save someone he loves. <laughs> so yeah. we talked about that. I do want to touch on Anakin's actual vision, right? Cause that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a, a big oh, yeah, canon yeah. connection. Uh, he sees Obi-Wan holding, uh, we don't quite see the baby, but Obi-Wan certainly looks like he's holding something. I would assume Luke, not a, you know, watermelon. Yeah, yeah. Um, the yell from Padme, here's Sidious is the force is strong with you. Uh, see the empire, the emperor, uh, just, uh, releasing lightning Anakin igniting his uh, blade over a poor youngling. Uh, Padme saying, Anakin, please, or is she being choked? Uh, Obi-Wan saying, you are my brother, Anakin, and then slicing. Uh, Sidious, a powerful Sith you will become. Aldron being destroyed. Anakin yelling, I hate you. And finally, the clouds mm. form into Vader. So that's everything that's going on in the vision. Uh, that's just cool, right? I mean, as Star Wars fans, that's just powerful to see that even though the memory was taken away, Anakin had a vision of that. And to contrast, without knowing how he got to those steps, for him to just suddenly see that is so powerful. What What are your thoughts on this vision? I, I loved it then. I love it now. And I, I loved it a lot back then of just, again, pointing at the screen and going, oh, those are things that happen. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and how kind of cool it was. Because I don't think, you know, I was obviously speaking of experience, I, 
I think what the Clone Wars was is, not just was and trying, but is saying about Anakin and his journey in Vader, I think a lot of that could sometimes be lost and just have it served up so plainly and served up to see what he's going through. Uh, it, it was just, yeah, it make it, it it's exciting. Uh, I think then from that point on, I, I would hope, you know, you dig in a little deeper and find out what it means for your own life. And I think it's part of the power of Star Wars. But yeah, it, it, it was uh, wonderfully stunning. And that final, I just remember really loving that final image of him. No, as the Vader mask comes in. It, yeah, I mean, it, it does just have that just straight up kind of nerd fan, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. It is cool yep. to see these moments juxtaposed and, and in this dreamlike way. Absolutely great. But yeah, yeah the act, absolute power of we're getting to spend more time with Anakin when he was this, you know, noble Jedi Knight and a good friend that Obi-Wan first described in A New Hope. And even though he's grumpy, you see where he's coming from, that he's compassionate, that he means well, that he's, you know, Rex loves him, Ahsoka loves him. You know, there's so much good in him and you get to see it. And then to just see that contrast of what if you just showed that good guy the horror of what he's going to become? Yeah. And the there's something... There's something just kind of um, cathartic about him screaming no and saying, I will do such terrible things. Just like, no, like, you know, this is wrong. Yeah. And it's and it kind of enhances the tragedy that as he takes the steps towards that, he can't see that that's the path he's on. Mm, But if he's just presented with it, he knows it's wrong. Yeah, and, and the reaction to it, uh, adding uh, uh, weight to the there's still good in him moment for me as well. Of It's there. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. So gonna, unless there's anything else in canon that you wanted to discuss, we'll move on. No, big stuff indeed. Yeah. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned ultimately in the Mortis arc? I mean, I questioned everything all the way through it. What am I watching? I still have, you know, five, five <laughs> viewings this week of all three episodes and I'm still like, well, all right, let's like, well, let's watch it again. What was I watching? But again, it's real. It's simple in a wonderful way. No, I really love these episodes. Uh, the, the, the writer Christian Taylor just did uh, an amazing job of, taking notes on probably a pad of paper while, while George was just going. And then, and then the gargoyle grabs him. And that means, you know what that means, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I totally know what it means. Yeah. Let me write that down. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, obviously Luke is uh, uh, rolling it out, rolling the big ideas out. I'm sure the whole team working on it, but Christian Taylor having to be the one who's like, okay, then execute yep. this into yep. a narrative dreamlike, but still narrative plot over three episodes. A really amazing job. Uh, the only thing that I, I won't say I dislike it about this episode, but I think it's something that is an important ongoing Star Wars conversation is that there is a little bit of an imbalance in the importance of the father figures versus the mother figures, right? Yeah. Um, it, we're getting we're getting more of that, but obviously, you know, Anakin Vader, the father of Luke and Leia is a huge focus. Sometimes Padme gets lost in that shuffle, you know, things like, you know, Rogue One comes out and it's another story of a person's relationship to their father. Um, Mother plays into it, but disappears quickly. Right. And even at the end, it's, you would have made your father proud, you know, uh, Jen. Um, So I, I think, you know, I think there is, there's a lot in the books that addresses that Nora is a, such a powerful mother figure. It's one of the reasons I love uh, how clear rise of Skywalker makes it that Leia has become, kind of everyone's mom right. <laughs> literally kylo's but ray's master a little bit of implication of the connection between finn definitely pose you know mm-hmm. mother figure at this point uh so i think there, there's some balancing there um i do like in the mortis arc that that obi-wan says at one point the planet is renewing herself which for me kind of almost invited 
me to see like the planet, the organic mass itself as a, as a symbol of, of mother, mother. Uh, because there's definitely a, you know, a, you know, that, that figure mm-hmm. yeah. not as represented what with the father, daughter and son. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. And no talk of it. No, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I kind of, um, someone wanted to be like, was there a mother? Yeah. Where's <laughs> you know, uh, how does this, yeah, not to be overly binary, uh, but, you know, in the in these mythic terms. Yeah. Um, yeah, so again, not a criticism of this episode in particular, but it did just get me thinking about that idea in Star Wars and just really, really hoping as we move forward that we continue to get more stories of motherhood. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on then? No, no, no. Uh, we I did what was talking about the few, few, few still know of our existence, but we touched upon that really good, uh, real good about possibly other galaxies are just uh, Porter Engel going. I know a secret. <laughs> yeah. Final thing for me is uh, just uh, there's a ton of great shots in this episode. In particular, I wanted to shout out one uh, when Anakin, not Anakin, Obi Wan and Ahsoka are hiding in that cave from the dangerous storms. There, the camera kind of spins in and flips around. And it's really disorienting, and it makes Obi Wan and Ahsoka feel like very alone and off balance. And it's just such a great shot yeah. uh, to set up what is to come. And there are a million amazing shots like that, but I wanted to oh, shout yeah. one out. No, it's a great, it's a great sad look. The fire in the center, it's it's, uh, it's hauntingly beautiful. Uh, Great stuff indeed. Very powerful stuff. Final question that we always do is if you could have a figure or a toy inspired by this episode, what do you want? I mean, look, we probably need some three and three quarter figures of uh, these force wielders, all that stuff. That's neat. What we need is a cute little Griffin and Gargoyle plush set. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm all about that. I would like a three and three quarter dark side Ahsoka. That would be great. Yes. Uh, The the three and three quarter two pack I want is a tortured Anakin Skywalker and smoky vision Vader as an action figure. I don't know how you do that, but I believe in the team at Hasbro. We could do it. Uh, Yeah. In lots of father, daughter, son merch. I I think a waffle maker would be good, right? That you can just press the image (laughs) of that Trinity. Uh, all right. We got a lot of great merch uh, ideas. Next up, as we continue, the Clone Wars report is the Citadel arc. Season 18, the Citadel, uh, or episode 18, the Citadel, episode 19, Counterattack, episode 20, Citadel Rescue. Looking forward to diving into that. Ken, what should the moral of this episode of the Clone Wars report be? The long podcast you thought you recorded is merely just a moment of time in your life. <laughs> yeah, when we finish this podcast, Rex will be like, it's only been a minute. I'm like, no, it's <laughs> podcast was much longer than that. Much longer. But uh, needed. Needed for more. Needed. Needed. Uh, Want to let people know where they can find us. Yes, we are the Four Center Podcast feed. You can be uh, following us on Twitter if you like at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. Don't forget you can get merch at teampublic.com slash user slash Four Center. We are on a lot of different things, including Apple Podcasts, which we've been talking about some of the problems. Uh, make sure your uh, uh, if your automatic downloads turned off on podcasts, all those things, just update your phone. But otherwise, you can listen to us on Spotify, Amazon Music, and a whole lot more. We can be supported directly if you so choose at patreon.com slash Force Center. Send out a bunch of those commemorative Force Center 1000 posters this week, next, and beyond. So look forward to that if you're one of the supporters eligible for it. Uh, you can uh, follow me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, KenNapsock.com. Got a Kickstarter going right now with the GPA for our board game, Futility, the actual game of living. Just search for it on uh, Kickstarter under Futility. Joseph. 
Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can find all my other comedy adventures, podcasts, TV shows, all kind of stuff like that on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. As we wrap up for real, I also want to take a moment to say, as we always do when we uh, dig into some of these uh, meatier, more spiritual episodes, that we are sharing our opinions. We recognize that there are many interpretations, many opinions out there, and we do totally respect people having different opinions and uh, just want to have that reminder that these are our opinions and that is all hopefully research one but still just our opinions yeah uh so for now for myself for ken and of course for the prison troll of mortis this has been the clone wars report ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.